Thanks for listening to The Adam Carolla Show on Podcast One. Saving starts with internet and wireless from Xfinity. Because when you get Xfinity Internet and add mobile, you can save up to $400 a year on wireless. Enjoy fast, reliable internet at home and nationwide 5G on the go, included at no extra cost. Get Xfinity Internet and mobile together and ask how to get an eligible 5G phone on us. And for a limited time, $300 back. Don't miss out. Go to Xfinity.com slash start saving. Call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Savings based on optimized pricing. Actual savings may vary. Corolla Classics is brought to you by LifeLock. 60% of Americans believe it's likely that identity theft will cause them a financial loss in the next year. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Every day we put our information at risk on the internet and in an instant, cybercriminals could harm your finances and your credit, but good thing there's LifeLock. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats like your social security number for sale on the dark web. And if they detect your information has potentially been compromised, they'll send you an alert and you'll have access to a dedicated restoration specialist. It's a great service. You got to check it out and we got a deal for you. It's LifeLock. Tell them, Gio. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can keep what's yours with LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year with promo code ADAM. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or head to LifeLock.com. Use promo code ADAM for 25% off. Hello and welcome to Corolla Classics for April 24th, 2021. The show where we highlight some of the greatest moments of the Adam Corolla Show. Over 12 years of podcasting to choose from. we got some clips lined up for you right here. My name is Chris Loxamana, the executive producer of The Adam Carolla Show. And with me, as always, Carolla archivist, super fan Giovanni. Hey, Chris. Happy Saturday. And happy Saturday to you, Gio. we got a great weekend coming up of Carolla Clips. And I'm excited. You're excited. And Carolla's excited for this <laughs> first one. This is going to be... Uh, a clip from 2015 featuring Dana Gould riffing as Huel Hauser. We've played a portion of this episode before. Dana Gould joined them for an epic round of the Rotten Tomatoes game on Adam Carolla Show 1686. Matt Atchity was also on this episode. Uh, not in this portion. He was in the Rotten Tomatoes game we previously played. Right after the game, they get into this very specific discussion about Beastmaster, and we get some Huel cameos, even though it's not a full Huel's Jewels. Uh, we also got Brian Bishop and Gina Grad there. Check out the clip with Adam and Huel riffing about Beastmaster. was the Beastmaster. Again, the most homoerotic castle on the planet. <laughs> the Beastmaster was just being chased by guys from the West Hollywood Halloween Parade. They were just, uh-huh. they were, they were this bizarre, it's the kind of dream, I, I think it's the kind of dream you would have, like if you were one of these crazy ministers that just got up there and spent all day screaming about a man should not lay down with another man, mm-hmm. a man should, a man, I'd rather lay down with swine than lay down with another man. When that guy has his dreams next to his yeah. frigid wife that night, <laughs> That's it. it is guys with leather boots that are up past the knee wearing a gimp mask <laughs> and gloves that go up to the elbow chasing him. Never ending. Gary, you can find it's like a never ending. That's what that guy dreams about. Here's he- my here's my prediction for the top three costumes this year, West Hollywood Halloween Parade. Donald Trump and assless chaps. Mm. Like Which is it. redundant because all mm-hmm. chaps are assless. Yes. Assless Iron Man. 
and women dressed up as Carly Fiorina. Oh, I'm going to add a fourth. Assless dentist who shot Cecil. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. He'll be wearing the smock. But nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's like a very political statement, but still assless. All right. Dana Gould here. <laughs> Tales of Halloween. What do you figure out? 87% on Rotten Tomatoes? It's really good. Oh, it's got to be. I'm in two that. good movies this year. Three. Oh, look at you. I'm guessing one of those is Road Hard. It is. It's uh, Road Hard, Tales of Halloween, and then uh, coming up in uh, the beginning of the year, uh, Southbound, which is another horror, another horror movie. Uh, this is in select theaters as we speak, available on YouTube, Google Play, and Amazon video as well. All right. And describe that to us. I'm, I have not seen it because... I got it's, it it's, uh, last night, but it was I didn't know you were coming in today. It was a little. It's bit incredibly of entertaining. It's ten of the best horror directors that are currently working. Mm-hmm. Uh, they each did like one ten-minute film, but they're all tied together. They all take place in the same town that. on the same night on Halloween night, and the characters move in and out of each other's story. Is it animated? No, it's live action, and there's some amazingly. Uh, Amazing uh, segments. I would have never said that except for, I swear to God, I talked to my assistant Matt today and he's like, oh, no, Dana's not in it. He does, he does a, he didn't write it or what he's, I don't know why I thought it was not live action. I don't either because that never came up. There was some confusion as to whether Dana, the email we got said that Dana was the star of it. So there was some confusion about that. But as it turns <laughs> out, you knew something was wrong. <laughs> no, as it turns out, he was the, he's the lead in his segment. Yes. In his yeah. long okay. well, movie. Well, Matt, did I, what did I do with that? And what? How did he get there? James Duvall. I'm on Gary on this. I have never at any point mentioned animation. I don't want to give anything away. Oh, maybe it's the Dana, maybe it was the Dana's not the guy or Dana's in it, but he's not the whatever. I probably did some animation math because you said he was in it, but not the. This is guy my communication. I don't want to give anything away, but I die horribly. <laughs> <laughs> but don't give anything away. <laughs> Stop there. All right. Uh, all I have is that feeling of being right. I have nothing to back it up. <laughs> it's called marriage. Yes. I know I'm right. Yeah. I know I never said Lo- that. I know that's not what I meant. Love is never having to say you're sorry. Marriage is apologizing when you know that you're right. It's a very simple map. It's an easier life. It so is. That Just is- go go along. I have a new thing, especially because it's a, it's a political season. Mm-hmm. The, the more I disagree with someone, the faster I agree with them. Mm. And then I take the time that I would have spent arguing... And I treat myself to an ice cream sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to see what every Baptist minister that talks about men laying down with men being like men laying down with swine. It's like the cast of Magic Mike. It is the... Oh, Beast, sure. Mark Singer and Beastmaster. It is the gayest nightmare ever. Yes, with Tanya Roberts. They literally don't even have names other than stray gays. By the way, this, it was a simpler time where you could just paint a lion. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think you could get away with painting a lion anymore. But and, right. and to I, your point, they don't look like they're running so much as voguing. Oh, oh they're wait voguing. a minute. We just missed the ass for a second. Oh. They're literally... I don't know. We might have to bring Yule back from the dead to do a, to do a, dial, a, a, a track on this movie. Yule Hauser, have you seen Beastmaster? I, have I seen Beastmaster? I became a beast when I heard he was in session. <laughs> Have you, um, the fellas, uh, Huel? 
Uh, I'm in a very special heaven. Oh. I have my all the dead little rascals are here. What? <laughs> there, there's one still alive, and it's driving. When is he going to die? Well, there, uh, there was uh, the living uh, Alf- rascal is driving me to distraction. Uh, Huel, I don't know if you know this, but I think it was Alfalfa that was killed over a ten dollar bounty over a hunting oh. dog. <laughs> I know about Alfalfa. That's so- the least of his problems. Oh, really. <laughs> Well, I heard he took to drinking, but how do they have LEDs? If this movie takes place in medieval Europe, yeah. how come the their, uh, le- their eye holes are lit up? Yeah, with they're LEDs? lit up eye holes, uh, and they all look like the um, well, mm. they all look like the great humongous from Road Warrior. Yes, now what that, the great humongous was my baptism name. <laughs> that guy was very strange to me in Road Warrior. He. There was he some gay-ass shit going on in the Road Warrior, Adam. Yeah, he had quite a build on him for a fella that was interested in stealing gasoline. You and know? the he, other guy with the feathers had a boyfriend who looked like Jane Lynch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know who these fellas who I are. I love. You like Jane Lynch. I love, my, I love me some Jane Lynch. Up here in heaven, we get all the channels. You get game night? We get game night. I watch Best in Show all the time. We get all the channels. Uh, There's more than just Best in Show and game night. That's all I watch. Oh, And I love that Parker Posey because she has a man's hands. Parker Posey does. Parker Posey has a man's hands. I've never never shook her hands. Oh, I would love to shake her hands. Because of the masculine There's a man. There's a man. You'd feel safe in them. I have a theory. Uh, it's my mini driver theory, which is Parker Posey's got a lot of work because her name is Parker Posey. Cool name. It's my same thing with mini driver. Yeah. I think she's gotten a lot of extra work because of that name. You know, when your name is Jane Lynch, you got to earn it. You got to. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna throw it back to Dana now. Dana, hang on, Yule. Dana's coming. Hell, hi. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm back. Um, yes, Dana. I can only do dead people for so long. <laughs> I just have this horrible feeling of a member of his family, (laughs) like listening. Oh my lord, leave him! He didn't have a lot of kids. Um, He might. I'm sure he had a sister. Um, Jane Lynch is his sister. She's the best. I don't know why. Um, Now we got it. But there's people. I need Hulhauser. I need him at the Baghdad (laughs) Cafe, Gary. It's the thing that started it all. That's all. The, is that the potato chip or the or the uh, Burt Lancaster painting? It's the Burt Lancaster <laughs> painting. You can't time so it. So how did you find this painting? You can't time it any better. First, mm-hmm. he's on the phone. with it. First off, he's going to a place in the middle of bumfuck, and he doesn't even call ahead <laughs> to see if the manager's going to be there that day. It's This is one long take, and it could not be comedically edited any better. You cannot comedically edit a scene right. any better than this. He's going, is this, timing, where is this, in the in- Inland Empire or something? like? This looks like it's down by Palm Springs, and I'm going to tell you, he will, and he will, um, he went, he did three things. In this tour of, and Gary will figure it out, of bumfuck, Lancaster, whatever it is, he went to a post office that was closed. <laughs> he went to the Baghdad Cafe to talk to the owner, but the owner wasn't there. So he spoke to him on the phone, but the phone wasn't mic'd up. And later on, he ended up in front of a crazy old miner who collected rocks. aggregate. Yeah. That person's alive. Rocks in a cup. But here's, and he talked to him. That's the, that was the trilogy 
Newberry Springs. The real right. hits. Yeah. But the the amazing thing about Huel is if it's the kind of shirt you're supposed to not tuck in, he tucks it in. <laughs> Yeah. But if you're supposed to tuck it in, he'll tuck He's it out. He's not interested. Right. Yeah. I hear it's at the he would tuck in a Hawaiian no, shirt. No, I, well, I will be pretty soon. I just I just come in from New York yesterday. You're moving here? <laughs> yeah, this is my daughter here. Hi. Hi how are you doing? Oh, fine. Cool <laughs> well, tell us about the Baghdad Cafe. We came in yesterday, Hugh. <laughs> we just stopped in for breakfast. <laughs> the first five minutes. They've got, got a nice great. booth. I just got here from here, New York. Tell us about this establishment. Let's find out booths at a diner. It's a taste of the history. Up on the wall. That's Burt Lancaster. Uh, Can we send somebody out to get that painting? <laughs> I'm not sure what we've... Howdy. Howdy. Can we talk to you a little bit about the history of the yeah. Baghdad Cafe? Camera's not even on him. Hello. Huel yeah. Hauser from uh, PBS. Andre. The guy's on Hugh the phone. Hauser. From PBS. For those of you listening, Huel's behind the counter and yeah. the guy is flipping out. Still holding hands. I didn't either. Still, still, still holding yeah, his hands. Still holding. Off guard. Still uh, hold on. They're still shaking hands. Just pause it for a second. The reason you're catching everyone off guard, Huel, is because you didn't have a segment producer <laughs> call ahead. You walked in with a camera. You walked in with a camera and spoke to a couple who got off a plane from the East Coast and asked them if they could tell you about their establishment. <laughs> They've eaten at. They haven't even gotten their salad yet. Yeah. No. So how much history do you want? Now and Now you're talking to a guy who looks like he has a house made of Confederate flags. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you walked behind the counter. And the huge gay man has walked behind the counter and will not let his right hand go yeah. while, he's on a phone, while he's on a phone call and wants him to explain himself. All right. And by the way, who knows how many priors this guy has? Yeah, he who knows? This guy good. probably sawed off his ankle bracelet hours earlier, <laughs> and the big scary guy with the crew cut, one, he's got some questions for him, and he has no fucking yeah. idea. The guy's packing a piece, he's got tucked in the back of his Definitely. dungarees, and he's right now thinking, should I pull it, or is this guy the feds? Like, yeah. what's going on? He's thinking it's like a gotcha news segment. Like, a, like right. Exposing, yeah. yeah. Right. He's right. like Beaker from the Muppet. He, but he happens to be talking to the guy who owns it, so here it goes. All right. I'll take care still of it. Look at the body language. Okay. He's leaning away he from He still him. has his hand. Yeah. He still has his hand while Kevin, the guy leans away. Right yeah. We're on right Huel now. Yeah. Huel not let go of his page. hand. We need yeah. to get this way, interview going here. Okay. Yeah, it's their uh, fault, Huel. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Now tell us about no, this place. He's still on the phone. He's still on the The guy. All right. Bye. Stop Stop it right now. This isn't. This wow. isn't Al Capone's vault. You're, no. not Al, you're not Geraldo Rivera. We're not live. There's not a satellite truck parked out front. We tape this stuff and go to an edit bay, whereas I have fond of saying the only thing that hits the floor in Huel's edit bay is the feet of the editor. Right. And his waffle stoppers. The guy, That's right. The guy he's talking to looks exactly like the little guy that sat on Jabba the Hutt's shoulder and laughed. Salacious crumb. Salacious crumb. I mean, I have no idea what the point is. Damn it. Yes. And oh, in so terms much, of body language, <laughs> he is literally at a 45-degree yeah, angle. Yeah, he's a tower piece. And Huel is not letting go yeah. of his hand. All right. You and I are going to love. <laughs> so there's a guy who looks like. If Kid Rock played a drug dealer in yeah. a movie, yeah. this would be the original character. He looks like a cruel caricature of Kid Rock. Right. Yeah. And Huel has a death grip on his right hand. And Huel's a little... He's, he's not perturbed, but hey... 
Yes. We got to make hay yeah. while the sun shines yeah. here, people. Yeah, and except, Huell's got some guns on him. Yeah, except for Huell didn't pull a permit. Huell didn't call ahead, and Huell's literally walking in with Louis, cameraman, and just walking behind the counter into the kitchen area, <laughs> demanding an interview for yeah. guys in the middle of a business call. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. All right, bye. This is where. Uh, they made the movie Baghdad Cafe uh-huh. back in, what was it, 87? Yeah. And I think in 89, he took an award over in France. And we just uh, kind of like keep it open for the tours. Because like, I read people. on the tour here that it said they still make a lot of movies. They still shoot yeah, here do, a lot. Commercials. Uh, a lot of that. He only and, has uh, one mic, photo always. shoots and all kinds of stuff. Is it just no. because of the famous name or the atmosphere of the place? No, well, it's or? electric in I there, I think it's Gil. the atmosphere. It's electric. Uh-huh. We got really I mean, nice around. Nice yeah. They don't place, often you know, find green for mica. People like yeah. it here. It's the kind of place you know. that David Lynch uh, would find too creepy to eat right. in. Right. <laughs> so we can sign the guest book? Yeah. Before you sign it. Old guy. Yeah. This. This man's 85. This man's 82. Uh-huh. They're only Baptists from the world. Read oh, what it says. Wow, this is, this is a fascinating mm-hmm. place. What is this? Uh, this is menu for the Baghdad. And what what do you specialize in here? <laughs> I saw you've got ostrich burgers here. we got ostrich, buffalo, uh, everything that's on the menu. Where oh, is okay. the buffalo everything, ranch? Everything that's on the menu. Uh, <laughs> but he doesn't have his upper teeth. Right. right. It's no longer there. And, uh, we just... Uh, you import your buffalo meat now. Yeah, that we do. Oh. <laughs> We're getting ready to, uh, the boss is wanting to start uh, serving uh, ostrich omelets. That oh. had to be a scintillating conversation. <laughs> hey, we stay with so, Denver. Be, yeah. No. No. Yeah, we bucked the so. trend. So you would buy you meat. If you needed a type of meat, you would spend the money. true, We don't have ostrich and buffalo. France. Oh my France, gosh. Germany, Japan. What about a child movie, that you named Ostrich? So yes. We would not consume now, him. Now, in here no. today, <laughs> right. why is it? Uh, why is there a picture of Burt Lancaster up on? <laughs> that is Burt Lancaster, isn't it? I have no idea. You, who it know. Is. <laughs> you know, honestly, this is your tax dollars hard at work, everybody. You know, that's a picture of him when he played in the movie Outsiders. Who this? Yeah. Who is that? That's her son. The one who owns this place. Also, yeah. this is, is a that painting that he's looked at every day. No, I don't know who it the is. Owner. Oh. And she's in L.A. right now, so. Wow, this whole thing is very interesting. <laughs> Do you know anything about what's going on here? I'm just a truck driver. I've been Some coming in here for guy. 20 years off and on. This mm-hmm. chair seemed a little low for this store. Alright, hold on. Put on pause. How's this batting average for hitting up people with specific yeah. information about the Baghdad Cafe? Yeah. Do you know anything Dude, that's going like, on here? Do you know anything about the Baghdad Cafe? No, but I was arrested on the grassy knoll the day Kennedy. Well, I'm not interested in that. I'm trying to find out about ostrich omelets. <laughs> I, I saw another shoot. Excuse me, I'm talking. Can I say this? Um... When you leave it to sort of the free market, you end up with Breaking Bad and mm. Mad Men and mm-hmm. shows of that. When you go, Huel, here's a check. <laughs> you, you fill it out. We don't need ratings. Just yeah. go do what you do. This is the product you come up you with. Shoot it. Just this shoot is, it. This is my argument for competition yeah. and the uh, free market. All right. Let's keep it going. <laughs> 
I, until he gets on the phone with that guy from uh, the owner, I, so, I will not rest. Do you get out of the truck and come in and have a cup of coffee and read a little bit and then get back oh, on your way? You put one foot in front of the other? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I usually have Heel pretty toe? good food. Mm-hmm. Where are you heading toward? I'm coming out of New Mexico going up to the Fuel, San what direction Bay. are you heading? So you <laughs> this will make it easier. on old Route 66 <laughs> off the 40 freeway oh, and so spend the morning at the Baghdad Cafe. Well, long enough to eat. Wait a minute. Um, Uh-oh. The owner's on the phone. How's it narrating your life? <laughs> well, we're not just doing an interview here, finding out about the Baghdad Cafe. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> is I know, is there a, is that picture in there a Burt Lancaster? Wait for it. Why is there, let's stand in here, let me get this, and I'll relay it to our Nobody viewers. Nobody Why is there a portrait of Burt Lancaster in here on the wall of the Baghdad Cafe? Oh, you just bought it. He's never actually been here. Burt Lancaster's never been here. Well, they just hung it up. <laughs> okay, well, that's it all. looks good. It'd be ashamed if someone burnt <laughs> this place down. Here today, all right, that's all you need to know. Uh, they hung it up. He's a hero. Yeah. He'll be missed. A good thing, too, also for the listeners of the show, maybe not in California or in this part of the country, who have this image of Southern California, the glitz and the glam oh, yeah. and the beautiful people. Uh-huh. It's mostly the exterior version of the uh, waiting area of a retirement home. Yeah. yeah. This is not that far away from where we stand. No. Eh. Yeah. Very depressing. At a certain point, you have to stop, edit, cut. Call in advance. Why? Line things up. Or was something, that kind of time? I'm wondering if they, were, if they were on their way to something else and that person well, died and they just like, all right. I'm telling you, if you find it, the post office is closed and at a certain point he finds a crazy man who collects gravel. Yes. And that's all we... Like, and there's like a rock that looks like Jay Leno or something. He, he licks one of the rocks <laughs> and he shows you the definition that comes out oh. when, it, when you lick the dust that's off, amazing. Right, off the rock. But I swear to God, he goes to the post office and they're not open. Yeah. And did did you see Huell's house that was for sale? He had like Palm a Springs. Yeah. crazy Dr. No uh, yeah. house that he had going out there. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Built into the cave. We can only we can only wonder. When I, I've seen I this. wonder if he asked himself the same questions like Fernando Lamas, there's a painting <laughs> up over your bed, Huel. What's it doing there? I don't know. Yeah. It's just up. Just up there in heaven. So tell me, what was the Batan Death March? Well, I'd rather not talk about it. <laughs> You'll, I know as an ex-Marine, you feel my pain when I <laughs> so tell you So it was cold, a... but you were just in pajamas and work shoes, I like lost... wooden shoes. Uh-huh. I did survive the Bataan Death March. That's not why I'm here. Uh, <laughs> I emphysema claimed my life uh, 21 years, nine months later. I did, however, lose a lot of close friends on the Bataan Death March. Now, while you, were in, while you were in to... the Bataan Death March, well, did you ever think about great places in Southern California? Because you, you have to you'll... see the Baghdad Cafe. Yeah, you say in it like it was a pageant or a play. <laughs> I was forced. You were you were a part what? of. Do you ever think about that? That you're a part of something famous in history. Like I was in the Bataan Death March, and you just feel a sense of pride. No, but I like can tell a, you what it's like to watch a man die of dysentery, <laughs> and I can't tell you what it's like to try to wake up when your best friends you think is napping, and it turns out his arm just comes off in your hand. 
Would that is that like being in like the Love and Spoonful or the Partridge Family? It's just a a group of people brought together by circumstance. All right, uh, and cool. uh, uh, the Bataan Death March was 1944. Uh, I died 21 years later. I don't know what fucking bands you're talking about. Well, they're I was just... dead long before John Sebastian and the love. Perhaps I've said too much. <laughs> they're just. It's just. You know what it is, and I don't know if you have this in the Bataan Death March, but it's just feel good music. What about the Bataan Death March? Was just a feel. What when you think back on it, what do you smile at? Well, Huel, ironically, it has the word Bataan, which sounds a lot like Bataan, which makes it sound a lot like a parade down yes, Main that's, Street. Yes, that's what I imagine. Can I assure you, there's nothing further from the truth in terms of the experience that I had bearing, bearing friends while being hit with a wicker cane. Word? Versus going down Main Street in the back of an El Dorado convertible. What kind of floats did they have on the march? We had bodies floating in a river, Huel. Those are the kind of floats we had. Face down in a river that we had to drink from. Did You know which one I love is Underdog. And they keep... I love that they bring back Underdog, even though kids mostly don't know who it is. But they... they they bring him, and when I was a child, I was terrified of Simon Bar Sinister. You, Those would have been great on the Bataan Death March if you were doing you, what you're doing, walking you're through the forest. You're speaking of a Macy's Day parade. Yeah, it's a, a, the big march. I'm That's talking right, about big march. Watching my comrades and friends die along a march that was littered with their bodies. Two thousand men started, four finished. I was one of them. Now, was Katie Couric, was she okay. also You'll, on the Bataan Death March? Um, you know what? I am supposed to play hockey, uh, not regular ice hockey, but air hockey with Abraham Lincoln. That would be wonderful. Yeah. I would, wanted to ask him. They said, if I got to meet Abe Lincoln, I, I only have one question. I have to know if he has ever been to the Baghdad Cafe. No, nope, there's just a picture of him that's up, you And scene. All right. You know, I'd be no good in a whorehouse, and I now realize why. Do tell. One of the most uh, angst-producing vacations of my life was the, we're going down to Disneyland, we're going to get our tour guide, mm -hmm. you pay her $500 an hour, whatever, I'm 400 bucks an hour, whatever it is, minimum of six, five hours, yeah, it's, I think. It's, it's, it's a, and, then, and that's not the tip. Right. Yeah. There's a part at the end when you're done paying. It's three times what you think it's going to be. The, you paid the 19-year-old uh, mm. chick with the GED who's taking a few uh, classes over at Pasadena City College more than Mark Garrigus averages an hour when he's in trial. And at the end, someone's looking at you going, you got a tip. You got a tip. And it's like, did you have a good time today, Mr. Kroll? Yeah. Why your family enjoy well, themselves? Now, how about you just peel $50 out of the $2,750 I just gave to you and give it to her? Do you use the, the I know you're trying to get to some place, yes. but do you use the, D, the Disney sanctioned? 
I they're independent. I ones did not. That we I didn't know anything about the scam. All I know is, oh, this I'm like, going to hip you off. The it was like somebody. 385 bucks an hour, and it was five hour minimum. And at a certain point, two and a half hours in, it's like. <laughs> We need to have lunch. And I was like, oh, no, we don't. And they're like, oh, we need to sit down. The kids are tired. Let's get them a hot dog. And my wife then bought her a bottled water. I'm like, you bought her water? And I was like, yeah, I bought her water. She's walking with us. And everyone is sitting down, and they take two bites out of a corn dog. And I'm like, all right, up and at them. Here we go. Corn dog was meant to eat and walk yep, with. That's it, why they put it on the stick. Break Darth Vader's awaiting. Here we go. Food's and, on a stick for a reason. And I couldn't relax because everyone else was literally just displayed out eating chips and I was like going okay it's been 19 minutes here we go up on your feet now I was like I was I I was really like Tom Hanks in Saving Private Ryan like I just kept walking around going here we go all right up 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 on your feet now here we go let's move it on yelling Kate and everyone's like why are we even looking for these here we go here we go and if I were to whorehouse oh yeah here we go and she was like you want to go in the you get some seven-layer dip and just watch some of the game at the bar. I'd be like, are we on the clock? Because you've got to figure out a way to suck dick and eat nachos. Yeah. Like, I can't. We can sit yeah. in the bar and get watch Sports Center, but that's, not at the 400 bucks that, an hour. By the way, that's su- sucking dick and eating nachos <laughs> will replace murder-suicide in my definition of ultimate multitasking. <laughs> I'm just saying we can, like, I'm in my refractory Uh period, and I would like to catch up on the NFL weekend, but are you punching out, or are we still on the clock? If she's on the clock, she better be on the cock. Yes, like, you two just finger blast each other while I watch the game and eat nachos. I get the feeling that right after the murder part, most murder suicides become just murder. Mm, I feel a lot better now. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They never tell you what percentage turned the wa- into. The wife is up. In the head, well, he should be along any minute. That was the plan. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, Problems wonder, get solved immediately in those situations. I wonder what percentage of the uh, or the or the murder suicide or just the suicide the agreed upon the on three. Yeah. yeah. Here, here you One, go. Here's yeah, pistol. Ladies bullets, first. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just like, most murder suits has like the murder parts. All right, now, oh, gee, I should have read this note. Yeah. <laughs> also, no, I'm going second out of love yeah. because you don't want to spend the rest of your life like Terry Schiavo. If you're there and you're flailing and it looks yeah. like the paramedics might airlift you to safety, but you'll never walk again or eat solid food again. All because I love you so much, put another slug in your temple. Right. So I'm sort of the, I'm, I, you want me here. I thought it said kill you, then I go outside. I didn't. I really misread this. That clip featuring comedian Dana Gould, one of my all-time faves. All right, before we get going with the next clip, I want to remind everybody about Tommy John, because I hope you're not still counting on mom to buy your underwear anymore, but uh, in honor of... In honor of Mother's Day, why don't you get yourself a fresh pair of Tommy Johns? They have dozens of comfort innovations, breathable, lightweight, moisture-wicking fabric, four times the stretch of competing brands, and Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have hundreds of thousands of fanatics and one super fanatic, Giovanni. I'm wearing my Tommy John lounge pants right now. I do it every time we record. I'm also wearing the undershirt. Uh, I'm wearing the cool cotton. And I have some cool cotton of their boxers on as well. Uh, Not just for you. Buy some online. Buy some for your mom. It's not weird. It's not weird. 
You heard from Gio himself. Not sure what to get mom in your life. Tommy John makes that dreamily soft loungewear, too. So treat yourself. Treat mom. Everybody's happy. No risk. It has that best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free guarantee. Check it out. It's Tommy John. Tell him, Gio. Right now, get 20% off your first order at TommyJohn.com slash classics. That's 20% off your first order of underwear and loungewear at TommyJohn.com slash classics. TommyJohn.com slash classics. Seat site for details. All right, let's get going with our next clip. Now, a lot of people always ask, why doesn't Jimmy Kimmel come on uh, the show enough? I mean, aren't Adam and him great friends? Well, yeah, they're super great friends, and uh, hearing them together is always a joy. They're like I've said this before, they get into that giggle mode where they just, they're constantly just trying to make each other giggle and laugh, and it's awesome, because we all kind of have friends like that where it's just kind of awakened within us whenever we we uh we reconnect with our friends and the reason jimmy doesn't come on a lot is because he does a show too and yes he tapes it at the same time we do so unfortunately the schedules don't match up but it's when it when they do it's always a treat and back in 2013 jimmy kimmel came on the show in january adam cruel show 996 with allison rosen brian bishop this is part one we'll play part two tomorrow in the cruel classics feed so make sure you're subscribed and this portion may go over jimmy's radio journey and it is one of the most in-depth conversations i've ever had on air about how what jimmy did early on in radio uh kind of the same thing that we always hear from adam but jimmy's point of view check it out Welcome to the program. Good day, Allison Rosen. Hello, Adam Carolla. Good day, Bald Brian. Hey, hey, hey. And good day, Jimmy Kimmel. Hey, 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 you. What's happening? I'm excited that Jimmy's uh, in studio. I was uh, really thinking about, oh, I was thinking about it. Like yesterday and today, I thought like, uh, this is on the heels of my hard-hitting interview with Mike Tyson where people are like, hey, that was a good interview. Like, I didn't make any jokes. I just was straight. I was trying to, like, get to the bottom of a few things, and people seemed to dig it. And I thought, I think I'd like to do that with Jimmy. Really? Yeah. Like, I, huh. I think – I always think people want to – and especially now. Like, now with the 1135 time slot, Rolling Stone cover, and Emmys, White House Correspondence Dinner and all that. It's been a crazy year for, for you. Yeah. I I know I one thing you know it'll just immediately devolve into stories about us farting on each other though right I mean <laughs> but this time he'll get to the bottom of them I get to the bottom of the fart stories oh, what I ate I uh, no I I was thinking about one time we were interviewed on set at the Man Show I believe and somebody said did you ever think you would be in this position and I said oh no no I was like on a roof in Van Nuys scraping tar. I, I had no idea I would get here. And Jimmy said, I'm surprised it took so long. <laughs> and I, I started laughing and then I realized, oh no, he's serious about that answer. <laughs> like, and that was at 29. Like it was like took way too long to get to this position in life. So uh, there's a part of me that goes, wow, this is unbelievable. Like, you know, almost, you know, starting at shortstop for the Yankees, the 1135 position and, and, and dominating the ratings or at least, uh, trading punches with the big boys in the center of the ring. And then there's a part of me that realizes Jimmy probably always thought you would be here at some or at least felt you could be here. On some level. Well, not here. I mean, not here. I've certainly, I never anticipated that I'd have a network talk show, but I figured that you and I would have a show together, and I thought that it took a longer time than it should have for that to happen at that time. But I mean, do you remember when 
We tried to do an afternoon radio show on the FM talk station in town that was owned by our own company. <laughs> yes. They told us no. And then <laughs> – Well, what <laughs> – what happened was is I they, stand by this position. They uh, they came to me and said, "I want you to do some kind of show." Yeah. And I said, "Me and my buddy Jimmy." And yeah. they said, eh, "He's more of a behind the scenes guy. Like he's a producer, <laughs> not yeah. an on air talent." And I said, "Let's put us both together and do a show." And then they were like, "Thanks, but no thanks." At the time, I was on a television show too. I don't. It, I don't. Maybe they were unaware of it. I don't know what the the decision making was there. To I me, think maybe they didn't want to move me from the Kevin and Bean show. It's the only thing I could think of that makes sense. To be fair to them, if you said to them, "How about you eat a peanut butter and banana sandwich while I blow you," if it was your idea, they'd say no. Yeah, right. <laughs> they could have been in the mood for a blowjob and a peanut butter and banana sandwich, but if you came up to them and go, "I got an idea for you, boss," they'd go, "Not so fast." <laughs> They're yeah. very Arab in that particular fashion. Yeah, some of them were. Yeah, yeah some sure. of them were. So the idea, I think, that I said, how about me and Jimmy do whatever? They're like, slow down, champ. And then they gave me a reason why. But they wouldn't put us together. But Jimmy obviously grew up being a Letterman and crazed Letterman fan. Pictures of you with the Letterman late night cake and the, the Letterman jacket and all that stuff at 14, 15, 16 years of age. I think the vanity license plate. Yeah, it said late night on it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's signs early on, yeah. much like a young boy torturing animals where you know he's <laughs> going to be a serial killer at some point, except for worse, in this case, late night hose. But there's signs that obviously you're interested in, but did, did that every boy grows up thinking, I'm going to play in the NFL or I'm going to play for the, for the Dodgers. But in, at some point, the dream is dashed. Did you ever have a point where your dream was dashed? Um, yeah, every single radio job I ever worked at the end of it when they fired me, they dashed my dream. My first paying radio job was in Seattle. I worked there for 10 months. They fired me and we didn't get another job for a year. It was, you know, I figured, oh, that was it. Did they tell it. you why? Why they fired us? Um, they didn't have to. <laughs> I kind of knew why. I mean, they didn't give a reason why they they fired us. They just said it wasn't working. Show, showbiz, showbiz is a weird business in that when you watch the NFL playoffs with rare exception or any sport basketball baseball the guys you see starting were the stars of their football team in high school and not only were they stars but all the guys who are playing cornerback played quarterback and DB and return punts and were all and with the stars of their basketball yeah, and baseball everyone. teams. So yeah. you go, okay, so th- so at this level, at the high school level, these guys are superstars. And then maybe if they get to the show, maybe they'll start. Showbiz is a weird thing where guys like Jimmy Kimmel, who are stars in the big leagues, can sit on the bench of their high school team. And there's a million stories that way. I mean, you got fired from how many radio jobs? And we're not talking, Five. About, we're not talking about New York City. No. We're talking about uh, Orlando, Tucson, and Palm Arizona, Springs, uh, Tampa, Seattle. Yeah, yeah, Palm Springs, I didn't get fired, but uh, I got fired from my college radio station. <laughs> I wasn't even being paid. <laughs> I got fired. I got fired a whole bunch of times, yeah, a lot of times. Right, so, it is, it, so it's a sort of a math that you do where you go, well, if the guy's not cutting it at the high school level, if he can't compete on the basketball court or the football field at the high school level, what are the chances he's ever going to go to the pros? And... Showbiz is one of the few things where that does happen. People pull you aside mm-hmm. until you can't do it or they fire you. So you, you, you get into radio, and how do you get into radio to begin with? 
I worked at Miller's Outpost, which is a clothing, a regional clothing oh, store. Oh, that story. I miss those gay cowboys. <laughs> West Coast, yeah. Homer and JR. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was uh, a cashier there, and there was a guy who worked there who worked on the college radio station, and he said, you know what? Uh, you're funny. You you should be on the radio. And I thought, oh, that would be fun. And so I went down there, and they hired me. And uh, in fact, the guy who's in the Crystal Method was my program director, a guy named Ken Jordan. I saw Ken in the airport in Vegas uh, a week ago. Oh, you did? Yeah, great guy. Yeah, All, one of those things. He fired me. <laughs> I, I know, but I don't hold that against him. I don't either. I like I like him, and it's one of those things where when you pass and you should talk more, but you can't, but you don't know what to do, but you're in the airport, like, Ken, hey, ho, hey, hey, ho. Okay, I gotta get to the car. Like, you, like you don't know that you should. You it's actually should have, one of the best ways to run into someone. You should have coffee, but you're not. You're walking different directions at the airport. But uh, he gives his love. So Ken worked. At he was the Miller a, South. Yeah, he was the program director. I mean, he was a kid too. You know, right. I was 16. He was like 19 or something. Right. Like that. And uh, and he hired me. I did like a Sunday night talk show where I'd interview local. I'd go through the phone book and find like the hairstylist of the stars. Mm-hmm. And then I'd interview him for a half hour asking which stars he'd style. Of course, he hadn't styled any stars. John <laughs> right. Davison, I think, was the one star who's But I feel like, like that's like styling three stars heads of hair. Because he, he was had a big white head, patch in the middle of and his. And he had that big swoopy thing going yeah. on in the front. Don't get me wrong. He did a great job with John. But, right. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. And <Yeah. laughs> and I did that, and then I started doing characters on a local radio station in Las Vegas, and uh, then I started doing characters when I went to college at Arizona State on a local radio station there, and one of the guys there took me to Seattle with him when he got a job in Seattle, a guy named Kent Voss. Sure, you know Kent. Kent. Sure. And, uh, and he, he hired me to be a sidekick. When I got there, they had no idea who I was, what I was doing there. They told me I was going to make $30,000 a year. When I got my paycheck, it was $20,000 a year. It was it was a bad experience overall. A lot of suspicion in radio in terms of guilty until proven innocent because everyone wants to get on the radio, but no one really is any good. And thus, a lot of skepticism when you try, try to do it. But um, so you're now doing – you're with Kent Voss. You're in Seattle. You're doing mornings with Kent. Right. And what's the what's the living situation? What's what's living going on? with Kent and uh, married at the time? So my ex wife Gina, Kent, and, I, and the reason we lived together is because I was making less money than I. So I rented a house thinking I was making thirty thousand dollars, mm-hmm. and then found out I was making twenty thousand dollars. And uh, so Kent had to stay with us. Mm-hmm. So we lived together, and it, Kent and his dog Zeb, who was half pit bull, half poodle. Wow, <laughs> and and a rape uh, dog, <laughs> and. Have you had your kids yet? What no. you got married really? I got married when I was twenty. I had Katie when I was twenty-four. Oh, okay. So you're, you're still a little ways off of kids. Yes. So now you're. How long do you do radio in Seattle before you're asked to leave? Ten months. Not even a year. Not and, even and, a year. And did they give the reason? Um, they just said it wasn't working out. You know, they never really, that is the reason really. I mean, there's, you know, it wasn't like, I mean, I was always on time. I never missed a day of work. I mean, especially when you look at all of those things, you know, I, I worked very hard. I was, you know, always there. It's a weird, Jimmy's a weird guy to fire because radio and entertainment in general is filled with flakes and drug addicts and people that just overslept and whatever. Well, more so in radio. More so in radio. But Jimmy... 
and there's two reasons you fire a guy. A, he's not funny, or B, you just can't deal with the guy's such a flake. He's missed three days in a row and whatever. Jimmy was, you know, we'd come in in the mornings at K-Rock. He'd come in at 4 a.m. He'd be editing my bits with a razor blade and putting the stuff like putting the tape down on Stein, taping it together and stuff like I don't ever remember you being late or no. even close to tardy or every once leaving in a while it's early. A little late, but yeah, I, I, I would, you know, I, was, I took it pretty seriously. Well, yeah, I mean, you had a crazy yeah. work ethic. So, I mean, to fire you, yeah, it wouldn't be because you were late or for drugs no. or for banging the boss's wife or like no. you just have to, they'd have to just think you sucked artistically. Yeah. Well, I also used to um, have fun in the office. You know, I there was like in my first job in Seattle, there was a company newsletter that went around and I would make the cover for that newsletter. And I, you know, take nude men and I would put the general manager's head on the nude men and have people blowing each other and that kind of thing. And I always thought it was funny. And everyone at the station thought it was funny, except for the guy who was blowing the other guy on the newsletter. Right. He never thought it was funny. And eventually there'd be enough kind <laughs> Kind of bad blood that when it came when it came time to either give me the benefit of the doubt or not give me the benefit of the doubt, they didn't give me the benefit of the doubt. I always wonder though, like why, like when I met Jimmy, I I locked on to Jimmy, but I I grabbed on to Jimmy like you were just floating out in the open sea, and a styrofoam cooler came wandering <laughs> by, and you just grabbed it with both hands. Like mm-hmm. that's the way I grabbed on to Jimmy. Uh, I thought Jimmy was funny. And Jimmy thought I was funny, and it was easy for us to understand, like, oh, hey, this guy's sharp, this guy's funny. I don't understand why the business, even if you're not funny, as a general manager, program director, or whatever, you don't go, this guy's funny. Like, don't you think you would recognize a young David Letterman or fill in the blank, like Howard Stern? Like, why don't they recognize the you young version? I mean, <laughs> if you met them, you would know. I mean, uh, they're, these are, this is the just above, um, I'd say it's probably radio is just above mime, I guess, or, mm-hmm. you know, performing out on the street for nickels at the farmer's market. I think right. that the radio industry is just above that. So you're talking about guys who, for the most part, grew up in the market. They have like they're lifers at the radio station. They want to be on that radio station forever. And if you cause any kind of trouble at all, they want no part of it. Even though when they hire you, they say, we want to cause trouble. We want to be edgy. We want to do things. And they don't. They don't. They're lying when they say those things. And I, of course, would believe them when they'd say those things and go, great. Well, I'm just the I'm the perfect person for you. I'm going to cause trouble. You're going to get phone calls. Paul Bryan. What do you think? Is is there a. Industry that seems more glamorous that is actually less glamorous than being on the radio. Oh, maybe limo driver. <laughs> porn, <laughs> yeah, I'd say porn. Yeah. Although I think we've, uh, pardon the pun, blown the lid <laughs> off of uh, the porn industry. It used to seem, you seem oh, kind of groovy pharmacist. in the seventies. How about pharmacist? Yes. Yeah. You go to college for eight years to work in the back of a, a supermarket, essentially. Right. But you get to look down at everything. Yeah, you do get to stand up on that that riser. So. Now you go from Seattle to where? And and at what home, point? Back home to my parents' house in, in Arizona. With your wife? With my wife. 26-foot moving truck, Pontiac Grand, Grand Am attached to the back of it. Right. And you, <laughs> go, you, you move back home to your parents in Arizona, yeah. and you're living at home with your wife, which is not – the, not living the dream. So not ideal. Uh, valet parking. In fact, I was valet parking at a local um, – Play, uh, boxing club slash nightclub slash male strip club. Mm-hmm. One night a week it was a male strip club. 
and Danny Bonaducci used to come to this <laughs> nightclub. Not when it was a male strip club, but he, I used to va- I used to park his car. Right. And uh, he was on the radio in Phoenix at the time. But uh, that was a bad time for me. I, I wrecked a truck that had dualies on it, which I still don't understand <laughs> how a car could be wider in the back than it is in the front. I have one. Yes, dual wheels in the back, dual of the truck. The, yeah, yeah. the, the rear axle Big and hips. tires go bubbling way out, and it's easy to scrape. Yeah. That is the greatest story I have ever heard. $500 <laughs> deductible I had to pay for oh. that. That was like like seven and a half nights work right right yeah. so now you're working you're parking cars you are living back home you're and, married and living at home and sending out tapes and sending out tapes from your from radio days or you're making these tapes from radio days sending you know demo tapes from our time in seattle and uh and just we get radio and records this trade paper every thursday and I'd be out waiting by the mailbox. And if it was a day late, it was heartbreaking. Right. But every Thursday, I'd be there. I'd go through the want ads, look at every – I'd send a tape to everyone that was looking for a morning show. And almost no one ever responded because that's the thing about radio. They will never listen to your tapes. Right. I mean they just won't do it. Well, you're almost guilty by virtue of being the person who handed the tape in or sent the tape in. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like if you're the person – that slides the tape under the door and says, give it a listen, they're not going to listen because you're unemployed and sending a tape to them. Yeah. They want to discover people. Or know about somebody Or already. hear some buzz about somebody. Because I used to remember sitting in Kevin Weatherly's office, and you always have a pile of tapes that people sent in. And there's no intention. But now you're in a posi- position where you get piles of shit sent to you. Right. And I don't listen to And them. you don't listen to them. <laughs> I know. That's the point. It's, but I am not putting out an ad saying, send right. me your tapes. Right. That's a good point. You know, they're sending them unsolicited. Right. So you would send – you got nothing. So then how does the next gig come about? We'd get excited if we even got a, a like a rejection letter. It said, like, we enjoyed your tape. Unfortunately, we hired somebody else. We considered right. that a small <laughs> victory sure they so then i got two jobs in the same week after nine months of unemployment although i was working as a valet parker were joan and jim your parents trying to they were my parents at the time at yes. the time yes. and they're trying to talk you in are they trying to talk you toward college oh or? my dad hated this radio plan yeah he hated it he the, he tried to bribe me to stay home to just stay and go to college and, mm-hmm. and live there but uh, i was dead set on it and there was no no talking to me about it right so I got a job in Charleston, West Virginia, doing mornings and uh, with my partner, Kent. And at the same time, Kent got a job in Tampa, Florida at a big radio station there. And he was going to try to get me in as the producer of the show. But there was no guarantee. So Kent passed on the West Virginia job, and they wanted to give it to me. So I'd come do the show. But I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know how to run the board. I was – you know, I, I had no idea what I was doing when it came to the mechanics of the show – and I was scared of West Virginia in general. Sure. So um, I initially accepted that job, and then the next day I called the guy and I said, I, I just can't do it. And I went to Tampa, and I worked in Tampa as the morning show producer, and I did characters on air. And I worked with this guy Mike Elliott and Kent Voss, and we got fired in 11 months at that job. Wow. So you bested your previous record by a month. On that day that I got fired, I got offered a job in Palm Springs to be the morning guy. And Palm Springs is a very small market. So luckily, I got my two-week severance or else I wouldn't have been able to afford to move. I right. moved with that money to uh, about to California, to Palm Springs, and I worked there for a year and a half. I did not get fired at that job. Carson Daly was my intern at, at that job. 
and he took over when I left. I went to another radio station in Tucson and got fired there in another 10 months, I think. Wow. He never made it a year at any of these places. I well, I feel like except, yeah, except for Palm Springs. How did your wife feel about all the moving around? We didn't talk much. No, <laughs> she uh, she wasn't crazy about it. <laughs> but I had, a, in fairness, I'd explained that this was probably what was going to happen. Although I didn't believe that it was what was. I figured, oh, somebody's going to like me at one of these places. But it's you know, it's an itinerant type of job. Radio, right? you move around, and once you get fired in one market. It's pretty rare that you get picked up at another station there. It's also one of those gigs where you either go 10 months or 200 years. You don't – there's not a yes. lot of in-between numbers. Either this guy's going on his 35th year on the air or boom. Or you're a legend in the market. And right. You have like one thing you say like, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> when he knows you. had one of those. <laughs> so you go then – now when do you get to K-Rock? In Los Angeles. 94, January of 1994, just after the earthquake, which is great timing because there was no place to rent. Everything was rented. Right. Uh, I That was when I, I got fired at, in Tucson. I got the job at K-Rock right away. In fact, I actually didn't have the job at K-Rock. They'd indicated they were going to give me the job but never really pulled the trigger for a period of three months. So I just decided to move to L.A. and show up. And I moved to L.A. And I remember my first day on the air, I I, uh, I showed up at the studio and Kevin and Bean are the morning guys there. And they looked at me and they said, they hired you? <laughs> and I thought, oh, no, this is bad. But I did not get fired from that radius. I worked there for five years. I, uh, I, I'm i trying to figure out a couple of the things. Like some, sometimes people say, well, how did you get on the radio? I said, well, I was Jimmy's boxing trainer. And then he just told me to call in. But I want to I want to. You know, fact check some of this stuff okay. with you because I remember having a conversation with you where you said to me, "What do you do?" And I said, "I shoot the shit, like I roll with the punches. Right. I just get in there and I mix it up and I just tell jokes." And he said, "Jimmy said, well, you can't do that." And I said, "Why not?" And he said, "Well, that's what Kevin and Bean do. You got to come up with a character." And I said, I, "I don't really do characters." And he said, "Well, you want to get on the radio, you got to do a character." That that part's right. Yeah, right? that's true. Yeah, but the part—that's what everyone says, by the way, when when they want to get on the radio, they want to just be in there talking. And right, yeah. but they're not them. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Kimmel or maybe Adam Carolla can come in and sit down and start talking now, but back then, who cares? But the question—the question is—is. Question is, you told me, look, just call in Monday morning as your character, and I'm not going to really prep the guys. I'm just going to tell them you're calling in. But I'm not going to tell them you're the boxing coach calling in. No, no. How I, did that work? Um, when we're doing the boxing thing, I think they at that time they were interested in talking to you because right because I was training you. And then they they you know they thought you were funny when when and then I explained that you were going to be doing a shop teacher character on the, on the show and they didn't like Kevin and Bean you can't pitch any idea to them I mean they don't like any idea you pitch to them but I got to the point where I just bully I said listen just try it you know they didn't want to let me on the air when I was working there and I had to really like convince them to give me a try and only because it went well that first time did they continue to put me on the air and the same thing with Adam. He killed the first time he was on the air. They didn't understand this idea of, uh, you know, I said he's, he's going to play a, a woodshop teacher. He's, um, he's going to be giving – he's calling in sick and he's going to give a message to his students. And that was your idea. You right. Know? And they didn't understand why we would do that. Or, but it was – they loved it when you did it and it was instantly very popular. 
I remember, and I tell people all the time, you don't have to be good all of the time. You just have to kind of pick your moments. Um, I mean, yeah, you just ball. It's yeah. just not that easy. Yeah, and not only that, but I mean, it's great to be great all the time, but. Tom Brady can throw three picks in the middle of the season. He just can't do it in the playoffs or he can't do it in the Super Bowl. Like there's little moments and people sort of remember. They don't give a shit about any three pick games in the middle of the season at almost any given time. But they they will recall and they do pay attention to these little moments. It's kind of like dates. You know, you have to the first one's got to be good and the second one's got to be good. And the 11th one, you can you can fart, cup it, throw it toward your face. (laughs) Two times, and you'll probably get to a twelfth date, but you can't do that on the first date. So it's not. It's I. I was very. I, I was very concerned. Like I got to be good for the first ten times. That was my thought because I knew. And you tell me if I'm wrong. If you ever turned in a stinker, and you'd only had two good ones under your belt, they'd be like, eh, oh, yeah. I don't know about next week. Oh yeah, two bad ones in a row, and forget about it. You're off. Yeah, that's, right. I mean, that's how they are. That's how they always were. Yeah. And that's kind of how a lot of people are. I mean, that's kind of how you are with TV shows. Like, you can do three bad episodes, but you can't do them in a row. Right. If, if you're, whether it's Lost or Jimmy Kimmel Live, if you're a big fan and you see three in a row that stink, you might not get to the fourth. You can spread three shitty ones out over a season. Yeah. You just have to, you just have to put a little padding in between. I'd love to hear that 11th Bertram bit. Virgin raps. The first like eighty were good. I mean, it really it was, uh, and we worked hard on those bits. They weren't. It wasn't just uh, you know that was something that we really like planned out and thought about because for Adam it was important to be funny, and I wanted Adam to be funny because I wanted them to keep him on the show, and I also wanted to be right. You know, I wanted because I told them, oh, this guy's great. He's going to be funny, and you know, I wanted to be right. I um. I I'm trying to think of the name, but the point is, is I this is why it bothers me when people with opportunities are lazy. Like it's all right to be lazy once you're an established artist, and once you're Mariah Carey, you can show up late. But those sort of moments in the beginning where people are lazy, it's funny. All this sort of pre-internet business. I remember when I was writing a Bircham bit. And I would write them the night before, and then because I didn't read well at all, even stuff I wrote, I'd write it all out, then I'd read it out loud like five times because I, 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 I couldn't get through my own stuff, and I'd write stuff in big block print and underline stuff. And I remember I wanted to come up with cookies, like a specific cookie that uh, ended up getting shoved up my ass somehow in this birch <laughs> It was pretty highbrow stuff. It was like uh, – and. I went from my house in La Crescenta up the hill to Foothill Boulevard up to the Vons at like 930 at night and went to the cookie section. I think I was with you. I was going to use that as an example. I've done that many times. I found pecan sandies. (laughs) And I thought, that's so much better than just saying chocolate chip cookie. I got a box of pecan sandies shoved up my ass. (laughs) And I thought it was so... Much more specific. But the point is, I got my car at 930 at night and drove up to to the store. There's no, you know, there's no funny cookie name Google search back then. (laughs) And I went up and I wrote it. And I thought, oh, this is good. And I'm trying to think, like. I did that today. I went online. I was writing a bit for the show and I was looking for funny British phrases. And so I just Google searched them and there's hundreds of them. And I took what I wanted and I made some up and put them together. Good day, sir. 
and every time that's not distracting at all. <laughs> um, and, and, and every time, Jimmy knows radio. Never mind. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you get the point. Yeah, yeah, it's specific, funny. But let me ask this then: Is there? And I'm I'm, I'm trying to figure this one out because uh, my kids were going to the zoo today, and what here's what happens: I try to uh, lay around in my bed and watch my wife and I. We watch catfish sometimes right. on, on Sunday morning. People keep retweeting me my 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 synopsis of catfish which uh i now think is funny because people are retweeting it to me but if you ever watch a show it's a mtv and they're meeting online and, and then the person turns out not to be the person but the syn- basic syn- synopsis of catfish is she's my she's my soulmate man and then what what she's she's fat and then it's like fuck this <laughs> it's like guys go from she's my soulmate to fuck this it's just like oh she's 20 pounds heavier than i thought she was like it shows how shallow and fucked up guys are and they're pissed off too but what well, i thought she was your soulmate and all the talk whenever they do the pre-interview it's not like she has such a tight pussy i'm dying to fuck her it's always like she fucking knows what i'm thinking she's my soulmate we speak in a language that transcends words. And it's like, what? She's 80 pounds overweight? No fucking way. And then they leave all pissed off. But we lay around and, and we try to watch Catfish. And my kids run up with their computer and they do their, like, online shopping. They're shopping. What? They're, they're, well, they're not shopping. They're pointing out oh, what, 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 they they, want. what they want online. And I keep doing the Christmas and birthdays. Christmas and birthdays. That's when you get presents. That's when we got presents. Christmas and birthdays. You don't get shit all year round. And then at some point, they announced that they're going to the zoo. And as soon as they found out they were going to the Santa Barbara Zoo, they started planning on what they were going to buy. At the zoo. And I'm like, you don't buy stuff at the zoo. You go to the zoo. You look at animals, but you don't you don't go there on a shopping spree. And then I realized their pleasure centers are fried. They're just burnt out. There's yeah. like too much. They can't compute. Everything's like too much coming in. So the question for you, Jimmy, is back in the day, when you used to really like craft those bits, like back in the K-Rock days, we would do them, you would do them, I would do them, you would – edit them and we would voice them and you would get people in and it really there was no you'd have to take take the proverbial trip to the supermarket and find pecan sandies write it down and come back home again you could not google it even though it was wildly time consuming was it more satisfying on some level no, I don't think so. No, you're right. That's no, bullshit. Yeah. That's Every stupid. time I, I Google something, that. I think, oh, that, this is the greatest. I don't have to go through this nonsense, racking my brain, trying to think of um, Going Roger to England, Moore to movies or you know, right. whatever it may be. You know? Right. I but, just but, go right on IMDb and figure it out. Don't you? And I, I do. It is like it's a, it's a great convenience. But on the other hand, it just gets you to the next thing that much faster. Yes. So there's th- there's that much more to get to versus when you used to make well, things out of claymated items or you'd make things out of figurines out of clay. Like you'd spend the entire day just working on one character. Yeah. I mean, but how about, how about just like um, 
driving to the, in my case, video time with a Y in my neighborhood in Las mm-hmm. Vegas and <laughs> pretending to be perusing the uh, the comedy section while looking for something that had topless girls in it. Right. And then b- putting it on the counter and hoping they're not going to give you a hard time about renting it because you're only 16 and then getting into your car and that drive home. Sure. It's very romantic, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and then hoping nobody is home so you can use the VCR uninterrupted. I mean, we don't have any of that. No, right. There's none of that now. In fact, people – I even like – I like watching television shows when they air. And, I, you know, people like to watch a big block of, you know, Breaking Bad or whatever. But there's something nice about just that seeing it and then having to wait a week and having that week in which you talk to people about it. And just that anticipation. It's just you, we swallow everything up so quickly now that well, it is nice to have a little of that. It's basically – I mean it's, it's basically the essence of foreplay. It's like every guy's impulse is I want to shove my dick through the mail slot and have someone start sucking on it. Like I don't even want to go in through the front door. But there's that di- – <laughs> Every guy. Every guy. Every <laughs> Especially mailmen. Especially mailmen. No. What I'm saying is the dinner, the conversation, the cocktails <laughs> at some point, the petting and the booby squeeze over the sweater and stuff like that. It's just a waste of my time. It all leads to a better orgasm. You just don't know it. The the women are sort of in control of it. Mm. I just mean when I always say when the Grinch that stole Christmas would come on when I was a kid, it was huge. And if you missed it, it was devastating. Remember the the special letters that would spin around? Yes. That's what started the butterfly. And it'd be like you'd be in the kitchen trying to get some popcorn and your sister would start screaming, it's on, it's back on. And you'd go sprinting down the hall and slide in your jammies and stuff. My kids aren't going to give a fuck about the Grinch that stole Christmas. They're no. just they, – they will not give a shit. The reason they won't give a shit is it's cocked through the mailbox time for them. They yeah. can go ahead and watch – They have their dicks in the mailbox. They have their dicks in the mail. Heads in the clown, <laughs> like Casey Kasem used to say. <laughs> Your feet on the ground, heads in the – heads in the st- and stars, cocked through the mailbox. I'm Casey Kasem. Thanks for listening. No, but they can watch it whenever they want, and then when they want to pause it, they'll pause it. Yeah. They'll walk away. And I find – I will go to movies and theaters so that I can enjoy them because we get the screeners and I watch um, 18 minutes of Lincoln. <laughs> then I put it on pause. Then I go in the kitchen to get some mangria. Then I come back in there and I watch another nine minutes of it. And then I go, what's going on on Sports Center? And then I watch Sports Center for 10 minutes. And at yeah. a certain point, I get to Varsity Blues and I call it a night. I turn something on, put it on pause, and then check Twitter. And right. then I never watch it. Right. You got it. Like that's why everyone goes. Well, why do you want to go to the theater if you can sit at home and watch? I can't sit at home and watch it. I keep as too long many as there's distractions. The pause. Yeah. Right. Apartments.com. Who needs a change of scenery now? Answer: Everyone. Apartments.com has the most listings anywhere. Not just apartments, but homes, townhomes, condos, and more. Oh, I wish I needed a to rent a place just so I could use apartments.com with 3d virtual tours. You can search your special somewhere from anywhere, stretch your fingers across a keyboard and change your scenery on apartments.com. The most popular place to find a place. And that clip from 2013 featuring Jimmy Kimmel talking about his uh, radio journey. Make sure to listen to tomorrow's episode of Corolla Classics to hear the rest of that story because Jimmy has had a lot of jobs, worn a lot of hats, and has done a lot more than most people think. 
when they think of his career, especially in radio. I'm still most impressed with him uh, editing by cutting cassette tape and putting it together. And just like, like just doing that once is hard enough, but then like doing multiple edits for all those different radio bits and things he did over the years. It's, uh, it's a very impressive analog skill. You know, and I can almost guarantee if you put that setup in front of him today, he'd still just be really fluid and know what he's doing. I feel like that. I feel like that's true as well. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious. I'd love to try that. All right, let's get going. With he'd probably throw it at you. They're heavy, <laughs> like these heavy metal things. You have to put the tape through. So you probably just chuck it at your head. Let's get going with our next clip. This is from 2016, and it features Anne Hayes and Sandra O oh coming in together in studio. But um, and we, we had a lot of fun. They hung out for news too. Adam McCullough Show 2016, David Wilde also in this episode, but he was in the first portion. Uh, Anne and Sandra are promoting a movie they're in t- together, and uh, I think Sandra's making her debut on the podcast, which is great. Uh, it's a really interesting guest combo, and Gina Grad and Brian Bishop are there as well, and it's February of 2016. Check it out. Sandro and Hayes here. <laughs> Catfight, name of the very enjoyable movie, which is uh, hitting uh, theaters, a limited release on March Third select cities, and then uh, out, out here it's uh, Lem, Lemley uh, Noho by or Lamley Noho uh, Seven, and then what you can do is you can go online. You can go to itsacatfight.com. I had uh, no idea what to expect when I started watch this movie last night and was blown away. Oh, very nice. surprised. Yeah, well, I did. It, it, I was like, oh, it's, it's a catfight movie, but then it started <laughs> off as a, like a like a Woody Allen. 1970s kind of Manhattan, kind of Annie Hall, sort of, uh, oh, uh, his, uh, uh, God, I love his love and marriage one, or the marriage one, uh, sorry, but but it, wherever it was, wives. husbands and wives, yeah, it's, it had a very, like, it, very, it was very intellectual, and then, then a fight broke out. Yes. <laughs> How, when you're reading the script, was it like, oh, this is going to be this kind of movie, and then, and the fight was graphic like i mean it was a fight mm-hmm. i mean it was not what you'd think it was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. real mm-hmm. i don't know i mean <laughs> actually it was fake it was yeah. actually fake we didn't actually hit each other oh. it was pretty but intense it's, it's it goes on and uh, we don't hold back at all i mean uh, the 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 film the film there's a as we will say a few encounters that uh the characters have together and I will say during that first fight, uh, it was my second day of shooting, and Anne had been um, on set for a while. And uh, during that fight, um, I realized that she was trying to kill me, (laughs) and I wanted to kill her too. Um, And then I kind of thought that it was going to work. Like we were really going at each other with with equal amount of force, which is kind of what uh, obviously what the film really really needs. Um, and uh, it was very fun to do. And I think I did the math when I was watching, but I believe there were two hate crimes in that fight. <laughs> oh, my God. If you do, if you do the math by today's standards. <laughs> so, Only two. Uh, just two. Well, maybe yeah. three. Depends yeah, on where we expand, on, yeah. expand our... I think my forehead our, our, going into the staircase was... That, that had to be a hate crime. The, yeah. the fight, it was also very, like, um, Sandra, uh, I'd like to compliment you on your drunkenness. Because oh, really? thank uh, you, because it's never happened before. It, it was a very. She got the perfect oh, three and a half so glass buzz nailed. Like yeah. people 
do a way over the top yep. drunk mm-hmm. sip of wine. Sandra landed at this perfect. It's that perfect thing where she's like telling her husband, I haven't been drinking, but she can't say it without sounding like she's been drinking. But it was just subtle. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Where I have personal experience or oh, method? 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 Probably I was bringing in a little uh, sense memory. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, I think funny, when a, people are yeah. drunk, when they actually get drunk on set, when they're playing drunk, it's the worst performance ever because they are not aware at all of what their boundaries are, so they can't figure out a good performance. <laughs> that, I mean, it's really, have you ever, anybody who gets drunk on set who's drunk can't do it because it's, it is so subtle. It's exactly what you're saying, that exact right thing. It's only the O can but do. I, I will. So, also, yeah. I will say, like, like right as, a, thing. as an actor, it's like you always really want to be able to hit that that drunk thing and you also always want to be able to hit a realistic phone call you know because right. everyone oh. many oh people yeah. have, have and you been don't drunk, want a five you know, five five in, right. in the, you just don't because yeah. that blows it no matter how good you're acting yeah. I'm yeah. glad you brought up the five 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 thing because I, I am so insanely angry about that and the thing that makes me the angriest is when they don't need to do it where the guy goes, all right, listen, I need you to call me back at 555. Five. And then they cut. And I'm like, you had me at call me back. Like, we could have cut out. We, we could have cut right there. Were. We knew what was coming. Or yeah. just don't say one number. Or just be like, yeah, just let's cut not. Let, or you, know, you can do this. Yeah, you go, call me. call me back at 763-1 and then cut. Anything. There. Anything would be better than starting 555 five, five and then adding four more numbers to it as if they're interesting. Oh. Oh, man, I love nuts. that you have the same pet peeve I do. It, it's like it's someone shows up with a bullhorn and screams, you're watching a movie. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's yeah. It's, it might as well just have the boom mic dip into the scene. <laughs> right, it's exactly the opposite. But of less what, exciting. what Sandra Oh did. Yeah. She doesn't even, you don't even think you're watching a movie. No. You're just watching Obi drunk. Well, you guys were both <laughs> fantastic. And, and the... And so I won't. I give, love I these won't, compliments. I, won't. I gotta tell you, it's really fun in the morning. It's not really the morning, but for me, it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so nice that you have uh, such an appreciation. For well, it. I really was. Wa- we worked really hard and had a lot of fun, but it was I, tough. I don't want to give away. The, the movie's got some pretty big twists in it, so I don't want to give that away. But I, you know, when you guys were having your dinner party stuff in the kitchen, and it did, it felt very Woody Allen to me. But mm-hmm. it just felt like these are two. World class actresses just on top of their game. Good di- The dialogue was good. The dialogue like, was great. Yeah, wrote you know, it, I, I will say well. that. Um, again, it's a, it was a like a micro budget. We had sixteen days to shoot this, right? Well, I was kind of factoring in the, all the. This isn't a big film with mm-hmm. a big budget and a lot of time, so you're covering a lot of ground and and being really effective. But sorry, go ahead. No, uh, so that was actually our the first scene we shot, which was like a five six page scene, and. Uh, it was kind of crazy with all the extras and uh, everyone jammed into this one apartment and uh, owner, uh, the director was basically like, okay, okay, let's shoot it now. Right. It, it's like one of those things. Let's shoot it now. So you're, right. you're, 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 what you're saying is like, you know, uh, both Anne and I have, uh, you know, considerable lengthy career. We've been doing this a while. And to be able to be thrown into that was a, a really exciting and really nervous making. Uh, but it's also set the tone for like how it's like, okay, I'm going to throw this at you. Are you going to, are you going to, are you going to throw it back to me? And it just kept on going. 
Well, it was. Uh, it's you set- never get to work like that. I mean, it, it was it was super special. We wanted to work together and knew that. It, I know we both knew that it would be fun, and we wanted to be on our best game. Because who do I? The person I want to impress is her. Like I want to show up and be okay with what I'm doing. You know, I got to know the lines and be ready for her. Because it's like, wow, I'm working with her. And um, and then owner is such a madman, and our budget he's was so. He's a director. He's the director. He's writer, wonderful director, right? the writer, writer, director. So so terrific, responsible for the dialogue and all of the insanity in the movie. But because it was such a low budget, there was no holding area for the extras. So where we were shooting was where they were. So there was like food in all the corners, bags everywhere, tons of people. Sometimes we have a bit of privacy before we work. Mm-hmm. Not, not the case. No, Sandra no, was like no stepping boundaries. over people <laughs> to get no into the hair check. She'd be like, "Oh my god, no boundaries!" Everybody's like lying on the beds because the location is the holding is also the catering area. Like the whole thing was a it, madness. Is uh, and I was kind of thinking like there's. I remember when I was um, going through the Groundlings and they had a they had a. I think one of the classes was just writing lab. Mm-hmm. And they'd ask you. I think Mike Dawson's going to s- correct your mic a little bit. I think there's something a little, try, you, there's something a little screwy yeah, about Anne's mic, but we'll see about that. Uh, Give it like, a test you know, one too. If it's not the mic; it's something else. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd be amazed. They they do these drills where they go. You got ten minutes. Here's your monologue. You don't get to bring a piece of paper up on stage. Just write out the beats and then just go up there and do it. And you'd go, I, oh, "How can you do that? This is going to take months to put together." But then you do it, and a lot of the stuff was pretty. Good. Like mm-hmm. you're surprised what you can do. Sixteen days is nothing. The budget is mm-hmm. I don't know what the budget was, mm-hmm. but I guess that was small. But it's surprising the results you can get. Oh no, we paid to do the movie. I mean that's what, what kind of we did <laughs> yeah. because our, well, yeah. getting an apartment was more than we got paid. <laughs> right. Well, uh, no, actually, because we really loved the script. You know what I mean? And we were uh, to be able to play kind of full realized uh insane ridiculous um characters like that we it's the it's the give and take of when you're an artist but going back to your thing about the groundlings i i I grew up like my high school time was all improv that's kind of like my first training all in high school and that special time when you don't know anything and something has to um, show up Right, it's about trusting. Like mm-hmm. you get, it's all the the yes stuff, right? It's like, what do you have? Okay, I'm going to do a scene about this little cap, right? Which is a, a tooth. I don't know what uh, that energy of going into a chaos and not knowing great stuff can happen from there. And I think that everyone, um, and a lot of the his keys, almost all his keys were all women. It was a really very female heavy movie. Um, Everyone was just bringing ideas, and everyone was just filling the space. That was cool. Yeah, best idea wins is not always the uh, case on the set, but owner really allows like w- what comes in, and we're, we were so hungry. Like we need, we needed. Everyone was in it together. It was a, a, that was a really cool uh, vibe on set every day. Gina Grad, yes. Would you would you do a take as as it was written, and then say, okay, let, I I would like to try something else. When you talk about your improv background, were there times to play with the script, or you stuck pretty much to because you are on such a time constraint? No, we. We stuck pretty much to the script. Also, in, in, in the way where it's like there is no time. Um, <clears throat> if something's not working, right, then you're going to throw some stuff out. But if it's the case where it's like you have a well-written scene, all you you just you just got to make it happen and, and that you trust it and make it happen. I think the I- improvisation was like we don't have a location. So everyone's <laughs> just going to be chilled out about the fact that we don't have a location and we don't, we don't know, know where, where we're going to do the fight. Yeah. <laughs> Should uh, we try the stairwell? All right, let's do it there. That, so that was kind of what it was like. Sandra, 
and then we'll get to Anne. What outside of acting? What's what's a day like? What are we into? What's exciting? What are hobbies? Oh my God, that's passions, a terrible muses. We're only actors. Do we like things? <laughs> do I do like things? I like gummy bears, and I have them in the car. I'm oh, waiting. my God. Will you please answer this question? Uh, will well, you do it? Because I, I have to think about it. It's, oh like, my, it's like, what's your favorite you gotta movie? you got to think what, about what, what you do in a day. She's no, you want to know what? Yes, this no, no. The is. other day, uh, you and Alicia were talking about what would you do if you weren't acting, you know? And it's like you order first. And I'm trying to think of, like, what would I do if I wasn't acting? It's just like, what are your hobbies? And I've always been stumped by this question. And interesting people like Anne and Elisa can oh, go yeah. on about what they would like else to do or yeah, what is your day. Because you're not interesting. It's really something you have to work on. Alicia, um, is it Silverstone? Yes. 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 And she's like a superstar. Yes. She, I mean, she's, she's a superstar. The, she's in the movie. Sorry. Yeah, it, so we yeah she plays my yeah. uh, yes. girlfriend. <clears throat> and... Um, well, she's amazing because she's got like 10 businesses that she yeah. never really talks about and she's like a vegan like she's got everything cool going on about her and she's super sweet and always smiling I'll, and I'll like, preface, like you don't have to quit acting for no, this I, uh, for this no. answer but oh, <laughs> what might you be doing on a day you weren't busy doing doing acting so go ahead Anne. you you tell oh, good. us Thanks. <laughs> um well you know i have two kids so that pretty much covers it mm-hmm. and then i also have a, a you know a husband i call him my husband but boyfriend i try to have a relationship um yeah, in between the time that i'm trying to take care of my kids um but i really i mean that that you know i kind of love life like i kind of love life i i i have a company i, I do artwork for it and you do artwork um i mean i do designs for uh, my company called tickle time <laughs> well tell um, us well, Tickle Time is making life better for kids, we hope, making life more fun for kids. And it started as a um, uh, mineral sunblock, and now it's, you know, we're hoping to turn it into anything that makes a part of your day uncomfortable for uh, parents and kids. We want to turn it into fun. So, like, sunblock is a pain in the neck, so we made it powder, and then it became a Tickle Time. You apply it with a brush, and your kids giggle. So we want to do that with every kind of awkward moment so that we can get parents away from nagging their kids and kids empowered to do what they want to do with their life. So, alone, uh, let's drill That's down great. on this for a second now, because I, I got a couple that, of ten-year-old twins. This is why I asked oh, yeah. the hard-hitting questions, yeah, yeah. and it's a lot of sunblock, <laughs> sunblock talk, sunblock it's a talk, time and, of the day. and then there's this thing. See, I have this um, horrible affliction, which is I can I know what's going to happen years from now, and I see my wife spraying my son's head with the yeah. aerosol stuff, and there's a cloud of it, and it's like he's going to get white lung. <laughs> He's going to get oh, something. Oh, 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 He's oh, oh, sucking oh, oh. up all this crazy stuff that's true. being sprayed in his face. Like, well, this and, weird yeah. chemical is being sprayed in his face. Like, hey, we got to keep the sun off, but he's breathing it yeah. in. No, so, totally. It's disgusting. And the kids are screaming. It's like, they're right. screaming for a reason. Right. Because so, it's disgusting. You got a powder form? Yeah, it's powder. It's mineral powder. Wow. It's straight from our earth. And, so I'm not a real, like, natural, I mean... Uh, because Alicia, Alicia would be so proud of you right now. Would laugh at me because I'm like the girl who pulls out sugar-free Red Bull and cigarettes, and they're like, "I'm so healthy." And Alicia like made her own like cheese out yeah. of curds the night before, and then has her special Don't peanut sauce. She's like, no, cheese is fake cheese. It's like vegan cheese, and she makes it. But it's just like she's she insane. Is she married? <laughs> yes. Can I Are tell you? you uh, she? Huh? Yeah, yeah. she is. Yes. Uh, here's yes, what I don't like out of life. Alicia's <laughs> right. pissing off two sets of dudes. Oh, yeah? Why? Because 
First thing she does is piss me off because she'll go, she makes her own cottage cheese and then go, she, what? She has a beehive where she just gets the honey totally. fresh from the backyard. She I'm like, honey either. I get in arguments over my wife about who's going to go buy the honey, right. but I never got into this one. Oh no. And she does all her own vegetables in the backyard. And I'm like, why can't we have a dwarf avocado tree? And then another argument breaks right. down. But at some point, I'll talk to Elisa's husband. And he'll be pissed, too. Yeah. He'll, he'll be like, some, oh, she's some... in there making her curds. Yeah. And he'll be pissed, too. And I'm like, no, it's one or the other. Yeah. And by the way, I'm the one who should be pissed, not Don't you. be pissed about shopping and don't be pissed about your wife taking your care of everything. Your wife's making cheese. Back off. Unless that's a euphemism for some kind of infection, in which case. And that was probably the wrong example to use because she'd be like, I don't need, you're right. She'd be like, I don't need cheese, only tofu. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she makes her own tofu. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So you got the kids. How old are the kids? Um, I have a seven-year-old and a fourteen-year-old. All right. And I also have to say that I'm a I'm a huge um, fan of yours. Really? I, I just I think you did something so amazing with Loveline. I didn't get to see the Man Show, or I don't know. I, I probably wasn't you drawn miss, to the title. You'd like it? No, no, no. I'm sure I would like it. And and I just think it was amazing what you did for kids. And I am working, I think, with one of your friends, Jason Ellis. Oh yeah. Yeah, he, but. I don't. He didn't do, do you know him? Yeah, know Jason him. Allen. Yes, from uh, from radio, but not yeah. from Loveline. But no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and, and I, you Loveline know, I, ended, right? it's a weird. It's a yeah, it did. It's a weird. Loveline's a weird thing because um, it's it, radio penetrates and gets like a little deeper into people than TV shows right. and movies do. You can really get in because especially. If you're listening at night and your you know your stepdad said lights out at ten, but you're going to sneak the radio on, you're under and the covers. You're under the covers. Yeah. We have to talk to people all the time. It's like my dad said they can't listen, but I listen at night. You know, so you there's a much. I always always knew that there was a much deeper penetration level hmm. somehow. Like when you're driving at night mm-hmm. and you're alone mm-hmm. and you're just going down that highway and you're listening, mm-hmm. the, it's so much deeper. It's an intimacy. It's an intimacy, but there's also uh, a recall. And I, I did it myself once, which is really a weird thing, which is I saw, like, if you watch, remember back then they have, like, E! True Hollywood Story or something, and they talk about what happened to Alfalfa from <laughs> Spanky and Our Gang or whatever it is, and uh, and the Little Rascals. And you'd watch watch an hour-long episode. Just watch it and then have somebody quiz you. Like, what year did he die? How did he mm-hmm. die? What, what, how long was he in this? When did they start production? And you, you'll do all right. But they later on, they played the whole thing just over the radio. And I was driving into Loveline, and I was listening to it, but just audible. Yes. And I realized my retention was much greater. Like, it, 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 got, it sunk in. I, I, it got much... Minus the visual stuff, mm-hmm. which is a distraction, really, when they're just giving you information. It's, 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 you have a much stronger retention level of information. So, Loveline is weird because the man show is like, hey, man show or whatever, or crank anchors or whatever I've done, but Loveline has some sort of effect where it's like, hey, man, I listened to you when I was 15. Let yes. me tell you where totally. I was at. And for that reason, it, it has a greater effect on people, I think. Oh, I just thought it was really, I mean, profound what you guys were allowing kids to talk about and how you responded to them in such a, in such a straightforward way. You didn't, you didn't pull back from what you felt, but allowed them to be in their own lives without making fun of them, but allowing them to laugh. It was just really good. Really, really cool. 
I think well, that's an interesting point, though, so that you're making. Of how do we learn? How do, how mm-hmm. how do you how do you retain information? How do you actually connect with people? And this being extremely extremely intimate. Uh, yes, the podcast. Do you really can, can get to know someone? I think I, I concur, and I oftentimes, although it's it's not not good etiquette, people talk. I close my eyes because hmm. I want to I want to hear what they're what they're saying. And the sometimes, Asperger's too. Yeah, problem. But I will find myself close my eyes a lot, especially if I'm driving and you're talking. <laughs> but I close my eyes because I I can I envision I can visualize things and I can absorb the information. More, more readily, and you're not distracted way. by showing them I'm listening. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know what it is, but I found it to be the best technique for for mm-hmm. me at least. But for learning, I swear, just close your eyes and yeah. hear what you're trying to hear instead of for me reading and trying to calculate and stuff doesn't doesn't penetrate yeah. that it's way. Funny, I keep my eyes closed when like other people are acting because I just don't. It's like ah, no. <laughs> That's a great it scene. Doesn't work. Uh, I doesn't always I, work. Catherine O'Hara. <laughs> Wave oh, she's a genius. I love her so she's much. She's so awesome. Yeah, uh, she won't look at she, she when people are instincts, talking to her. She I was won't like, look at I, uh, and I, I close my eyes. I don't, I don't, I don't know what the lines are, but I, oh, I just remember seeing those. So what's uh, what's next for everybody? Wait a minute. She didn't answer the question. She, she has nothing. No, I don't. She... And I have nothing. I have nothing. I have nothing. What do I do in my days? You know, there's. It's always so busy with like life, but it's like, like you grocery shopping, you cook, you take care of things. <laughs> I, you know, I, right. That I, actually is life. It's true. It, it, you get through gets, one to get through the and other. And it's also like. <laughs> I'm always wanting clarification. It's like, so is it not acting? So what about the things around acting? Like mm. our reading, developing, working with uh, fellow writers, blah, 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 blah. Does well, that count, is not there, count? Is there writing? Well, is there developing? Well, what do you mean? You produced Why a movie, you have a movie that's coming out. What are you talking about? You're so involved in what... You, yes, all the things around acting you're currently majorly involved in. How about your movie, your TV show? What do you mean? Well, that actually then uh, nicely bounces into what what else is I happening. I figured I tried to give you that. That's bridge. very nice. Thank Just you tell well, Lisa Silverstone's story about <laughs> tofu or something. <laughs> I don't think fun. Lisa eats soy. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's just a guess. That's just, just a guess. But it's a guess. Um, uh, but no, yeah, on, on on top of catfight, just like actually that first week or two in in March, I have a couple things coming up. One of them being. Um, American Crime on ABC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done uh, a few guest spots on there, and, and I just—I'm such a big fan of John Ridley and American Crime, and that whole cast. Just Regina and Felicity—they're just fantastic, and Tam is just fantastic actress. And I was really happy to come on because there—that—that uh, that show deals with domestic issues mm-hmm. that I don't think that people are willing to really are, are, are not necessarily in the forefront of of. Of what's going on or what we're listening to, or which is in the media, and so this season is about um, slave labor. You know, mm. a nice light topic, but yeah. it's like you know, in you know, farm labor, sex trafficking, and domestic labor, and uh, so I was really, and it's also like I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to make certain choices in my life, so. To be able to could ch- that because of be because of your long running stint on Grey's Anatomy? You know, <laughs> she always tries to say that, and no matter where we are, just once uh, <laughs> I have to do it. <laughs> um, ding ding! But yeah, uh, so there's that, and then I did um, 
uh, I helped exec produce and I voiced this uh, uh, animated feature called Window Horses, which is coming out uh, also in like the first week of March. But actually in Canada, we're, we're looking for a distributor here. And that's like um, a, a nice, uh, you know, a f- film about uh, a Chinese, uh, Iranian, Canadian young woman who goes to Iran uh, for a poetry festival. And just You're even talking about every weekend for me <laughs> now, <laughs> Jesus Christ! This is a documentary. When you close your me. eyes when yeah, they're yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but I, but you know, actually, when you I wanted to add to your thing about when you close your eyes. I will say, whenever I'm a big poetry fan, whenever I'm either there's a piece of poetry on a film or you're listening to some or someone's reading it, I always have to close my eyes. I cannot see the imagery of the poetry if my eyes are like open. I have I, to just listen to the voice. I have a poetry question. I don't know anything about poetry, but. Is rhyming a faux pas now? Like, is that your your grandpa's poetry? Like, if you rhymed, is it still good, or are we give extra? Are we deducting for any kind of rhyming and poetry? I hey, feel like, Adam, oh, it's good to be here. I'd like to take you out for an imported beer. That's uh, the great Maya Angelou. That's, that's, a, that's David Russell. Allen Greer. That's <laughs> Russell. No, but what I'm saying is, is, is that considered that passe? Passe, I don't think it's ever been passe. I think it's... What percentage of it rhymes, like if you go to a festival or, well, or I w- reading or I would something? say f- for me a lot of, uh, you know, the great poets you don't, uh, much of which is translated, is not necessarily in the, uh, a rhyme form. But, uh, you know, if, if you've, you know, if that's... If that's what you floats your boat, which is rhyming, it's like it's not, like, rhyme. it's not, it's not no. like you can't have like great images or, or images or a metaphor with you know not in rhyme. His, his, do you think something like Hamilton is brought back a little? I mean, it's rap rhyme, but it's it, it it rhymes like it it flows. Yes, so so to speak. Yes. Is there been an uptick in rhyming poetry since Hamilton? And, so, and if so, what percentage? Wow, that is <laughs> – oh, my. Well, you know what? Actually, you've asked the right person that right question because I love Hamilton, and I've been so lucky to actually see that show twice. I just love it. I love it so much. Um, I don't know if everything rhymes in in, in Hamilton. Honestly, oh, it I, I don't I only, think, my I, daughter's I, I, got yeah. the my daughter's got the soundtrack, so everything but, I hear. But I know rhymes. they love it. They they love they, it. they love it. Um, but let's say something like that, just to a younger generation. It's an easier way of listening uh, to to uh, what happens to be in a, in a line of poetry or in a line of song. And I, it, it, it's, it's a very pleasing thing for our ear and easy to digest. You know, something that has to do with, let's say, uh, more metaphoric images, you might not rhyme. I the did. next line of questioning Do you know Silverstein? You know the book, sure. right? Yeah. So sure. he has... When you're in like, love, everyone's Jewish? Everything's Jewish. Jeez. Yeah. I think that's a Shel Silverstein album is, What? Thing. Shell like where the sidewalk ends, a lightning. Where the sidewalk ends? Oh. Oh. No, shell, the different shell. This is although he might have said one. that. I'm not saying that he wouldn't have said that. Um, that didn't rhyme, by the way. But um, no, <laughs> and that didn't rhyme but, either. But he does a lot of um, children's poetry, and it's. I think it's easier for kids. Like it, the thing that does it you know, comes into their. A lot of it does. Yeah. Yeah. Because the way it goes into their ear is like it just is a little bit. Why have a tug of war? I'd rather have a hug of war. Oh. Nice one. Deep and it rhymes. Sarah yes. Sylvia that Cynthia. You? No, 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 You could have freeformed it. Exactly. You didn't need two steno pads uh, for that. Dawson, cut that out. Yeah, that was me. I, I, I brought that just now. Now he'd like to ask you about iambic pentameter. And yeah. 
Yeah, well, by the way, the I told my daughter <laughs> Hamilton was about George Hamilton, our greatest actor. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So I'll put, give it context for her. All right, now i got to think of who the hell I was thinking of. When All you're right. in love, everyone. Shell Silvers, he did some adult stuff, so it's possible. But How he's old well, is he's really Shell? I don't believe he's, he's alive. Yeah, he died. Don't you have people look up your facts for you? I don't know. Gary's over there. He died in 99 at what age? 70. Okay, so now we got to find out if he did. Uh, so now he's over eighty. Now, if we found out if he did Irving, the uh, hundred fifty second fastest gun in the West, or what novelty? He did some novelty did. songs, so it's totally possible. Oh, okay. Well, like he did. Like I used to have the album, the Shell Silverstein, like you know, oh, album really? yeah. was all the first record I ever had. Listen to the hell. Well, of where that. were you twenty minutes ago when I was being? That said, I just recognize that. I recognize that. The sit there clutching your pearl. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> oh, you mean the guy who I had comedy records of earlier in my life, and one of them potentially could have been called When You're In Love, The Whole World's Jewish? Does this do anything for you? I found an album that says, You Don't Have to Be Jewish When You're In Love, The Whole World Is Jewish, by Lou Jacoby and Valerie Harper. Ah, Shell's Very original close. name. He <laughs> ah, realized that as a Jew, he wouldn't get as much close. work, so Very he went with Jacoby. He went, yeah. he went by a Judonym. <laughs> <laughs> No, the you're right good. Now. <laughs> now hold on. Did you freeform that, that or is that a show? Sure right, right. Find out if he did Irving <laughs> and find out if he did it. Well, well Shell Silverstein's early comedy album work, mm. I guess is what I'm what I'm looking for. All right, should we do a little news? You guys hang out, crack yeah, wise, say whatever you want. Crazy Trump tweets. Give me news with Gina Grad. Trouble in the Middle East. Celebrity drug meltdown. Seek news with Gina Gina Grad. The news with Gina Grad. So glad you guys appreciate that. That's very cool. Ballad of Irving was by Frank Gallup. So not. Another Shel distant Sil relative. Shell Silverstein used to hear on uh, Dr. Demento. Yes. Probably did. You did? I oh. did. Okay. <laughs> Right. Let's, let, let's make me half well, right. You're all for the last five. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not all for five. It's just a comedy album. All right. Well, Dare you. Angelina Probably did. You know how oh, passive-aggressive yeah. that is? <laughs> Brian's going to think about whether it's okay that I listen to it on Dr. Demento or not. Crawl okay. yourself out of that hole. You probably did. You're going to give your daughter an eating disorder <laughs> with those kinds of answers. You're probably right. I'm studied very hard for my trig exam, Father. I'm, I'm sure, sure you, you, you did. You obviously did. You obviously did C minus. <laughs> Yes, sweetie. That's cute. You were studying it all. All right. Let's see. Oh, okay. Now Here you we can go. Uh, this says Silverstein had a popular following on Dr. Demento's radio show. It says he probably had a following. He probably um, did. May um, have. Yep. Among his best known, oh, everybody loves this one, Sarah Cynthia Sylvia Stout would mm -hmm. not take the garbage out. The Smoke Off, which was a tale oh, of... Oh, that one. Yeah? That's a crazy one. Uh, the ahead. Smoke Off? Yeah. A tale of a contest to determine who could uh, roll or smoke marijuana joints faster. Oh, just wrote for the kids, huh, ladies? <laughs> <laughs> I got stoned and I missed it, and Stacy Brown got two. Uh, he wrote The Father of a Boy Named Sue, in that which runs. he yep, tells a story of the original song from the father's point of view. And the 1962 song, Boa Constrictor, sung yeah. by a person who was being swallowed by a boa constrictor. Great. And uh, Peter Paul and Mary did that. So now you got to get the no smoke idea. off song because that is crazy. And Dawson, 
You're going to be jonesing so bad for a doobie by the time we get 30 seconds into this. All right, sorry. Go ahead. So Angelina Jolie and her kids indulged in a feast of cooked tarantulas, crickets, and other bugs during a recent visit to Cambodia where she was doing press for a film she directed and produced about the Khmer Rouge. Jolie promoted the benefits of eating insects because of their environmental sustainability, their nutritiousness, and ability to be harvested relatively cheaply and easily. Here's a clip of Jolie and her six kids showing a reporter that eating insects really is not that bad. Dinner. You want to go? Want to share a spider? Hot? Eating a tarantula. I do not think Alicia would. It's actually really good. She'd grow her own spiders. I would eat. I would eat bugs. Absolutely. I I have eaten bugs. She injected her lips with fire. Huh? Tastes like chicken. I can see why you're into this. (laughs) It's hard to chew. Scorpion. Dried chips. Like chips. Yeah. I'd make a horrible Angelina Jolie kid. I'd be like, hold on, are we trapped here? No. No, We're actually quite wealthy. Is there a place somewhere that has Philly cheesesteaks or something that's nummy? There's Gino's down the street. Okay. Hold on. Are we destitute or independently wealthy? We're quite wealthy, actually. I'll see you at the round table pizza, sweetie. Where are you going? I'm going to eat food that... We would eat if we were rich celebrities. <laughs> I slaved all day, pardon the pun, on this plate of arachnids, and you will eat them. Uh, hey, there's something growing underneath that trash can lid for dessert. Oh, Mom. let's go. <laughs> You're pulling my chain. Yeah. So, you, what have you eaten, Sandra? Wow. In the bug community. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've eaten grubs. Oh, you have? Yeah, I was in uh, the Amazon and uh, ate uh, jungle rat and uh, grubs, and it was jungle rat. And it was really intense because it's like you know you get a uh, you get the bowl and all the grubs are moving around. Oh my god! And uh, but I get I get why they do. You get why they move around? It's kind of like it's kind of like cheese, kind of like halloumi cheese. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. But my whole thing is as long as we have cheese, we don't need kind of like cheese. (laughs) We're in the jungle, but but it's like it's a it's a good source of protein. So. <laughs> they just kind of wash it off, uh, kind of skewer it, and put it on the barbecue and salt it. And then I, I ate it, yeah. And mm. it wasn't terrible. What's no, the, it wasn't. It what's was, the I, jungle rat like? The, uh, jungle rat just tasted kind of like barbecued meat. Barbecued, uh, kind of sinewy, oh. kind of barbecued chicken. You know, kind of barbecued chicken that's kind of a little overdone. We did have you, a picture. What was... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. But what did I, you, I do eat meat. What, what did you do? Now, what did you... This is obviously part of the experience. It's not like the plane went down. And had to, had to, <laughs> had had to live off of grubs and, <laughs> no, no. and and you know, canopy rats, but uh, you, you, you went and experienced this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anything else from Are that, you a from that trip? Of war? I'm, I'm just coaching up for next time someone asks you, what else do you do? We can <laughs> well, weave yeah. this well, story yeah, yeah. in. No, That's no. why she doesn't uh, say it right away. Once to the Amazon once, but yeah. yes. Uh, I'm a big believer in the medicine that you find down there. Oh, so yeah. so it was like a, a excursion, yeah, a fact finding, yeah, tour. kind of like a a, a spiritual fact finding. Wow! Tour. And did what, you partake in ayahuasca? Yeah, yeah. There you did. Sure, yeah. That's There's a story. I'm a, I'm a, a searcher in that kind of wow. way. Now's I, the moment I, to tell the story. No, but I, what was it like? That's what I do in my spare time. That's no, what um, clearly <laughs> you forgot because you were on drugs. <laughs> what did it? Yeah. What was it? Tell. I mean, I have done a little acid and eaten a couple of mushrooms in my yeah, yeah. day. How much further down the rabbit hole is this? 
Way deep down. Way, way deep down. But it's also like, you know, it's your, it's, you don't, uh, for, for me, and I think a lot of people who partake in, uh, the ceremonies with ayahuasca, it's, uh, it's, it's not, it's not about having a good time. Actually, by the way, you don't necessarily have a good time. Things come out of every orifice. Yes, right? it is. It's like a big part of the whole process is to purge mm-hmm. and to purge. It, any way possible, but like it's like um, it's a it's a it's a spiritual medicine, right? So people who go down there can I ask you this though: like what? after eating three sewer rats covered in grubs, maybe that was maybe no. that was in the like, stars for you. Like maybe you were going to purge anyway. No, I did that afterwards. I did that afterwards where I could start eating meat again. One, one nice and, clean and meal how, going in. How long did it last? How long does what the ceremony last? Yeah, the insanity. No, it's if, but the thing is, it's it's. It's like a spiritual quest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you, if one uh, 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 looks at it that way, I mean, I, I will say when I did it, there's a lot of people who I thought were extremely brave. People who were very sick and who were looking for ways to uh, heal themselves. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but how long it lasts? And you know, you have a ceremony. It lasts about five hours or so. How long until you can operate a motor vehicle? <laughs> Oh no, you gotta wait. The, you gotta wait out the whole night. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But you also, but also, it's like you know, there's a there's preparation of going in to that. You know, it's like you want to you want to be kind of as clean as possible and it, it, to to be able to receive the medicine. Did you? Did and I'm talking. If anyone who's had done ayahuasca knows that when I'm talking about receiving the medicine, that's how did they give it to you? You gotta drink it. Oh. How much of it do you drink? Oh, it depends on, you know, your body, you know, how much you're willing to go down that yeah. rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't, you, you don't have? drink. It's like, you know, you'll have like a um, a medium shot glass of it. And, and was, super intense. was there a point where you were, you were aware what was going on, but still No, you're aware. The, you're, you're basically aware the entire time. But like you set your intentions. For me at that time, you know, I was dealing with some issues and one of them honestly being a uh, depression mm-hmm. and uh, the, uh ayahuasca you, you know is is known to help with depression is also known to um help with opiate addiction mm-hmm. which i don't luckily suffer from but but um so you go down there to try and 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 you know heal yourself in a way that doesn't have to do necessarily with medication um because all the budget stuff that i was using just was not working what how how did it work big picture for you did it it it, it, i I stopped taking my medication so it made that big a difference and it's also it's like you know there i i did feel i cannot believe i'm talking about Everyone's interested. No, it's, I, it's just I, I, us. I mean, honestly, it's like uh, I really did feel something that l- lifted. So going back to the point of like you are actually very aware. Um, you're aware of – you're aware that let's say if I have to go to the bathroom, I'm going to get up. Someone's going to help me get up and go to the bathroom. If you're aware – and this is one thing that uh, – um, uh, a, a friend told me, which I thought was very, very valuable. If anyone, if any of your listeners have done psychedelics, let's say, then you know uh, what it is to have other, let's say, images that are out there that sometimes can be scary. And uh, this this guy told me, he goes, if you, when you are in that state, if you see, let's say, something that is coming at you and it frightens you, you just ask it to go away. And definitely, I, I some people saw like angels and some people saw like, you know, Martians and uh, beautiful things. And a mine was just like a really 
fearful, <sighs> deep, dark. <sighs> yeah, it was really, really, it was really, really hard. But how do you stay calm in all of that time? That you know that you're in control. That you know that you're safe, right? You know, you're, you're, you're coming to it. It's a, it, you sh- I mean, you're not going to – I mean, the, the place that I, I went to was just like a, a very, very, very safe place. Everyone who's in that room is trying to heal themselves. You know what I mean? So, Do, wow. do you find that you – in a negative way, let's say then, do you reflect – on things that happen from the past, or do you create imagery that is present time? I don't. I wouldn't say that you are actually necessarily in control of what of the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's it's uh, so like a common thing is there are these uh, um, songs that they'll sing to you right which can can bring out these images very very colorful images and patterns so you just try and stay present with it let's say one so when i went down there i did like seven ceremonies which is uh is it which which was considerable um (laughs) did it seven times all at the same time or no 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 no. over over probably around two weeks that makes more sense yeah Yeah. and it was it was super intense (laughs) and each each experience is is a completely different experience Experience. Do they facilitate it to be a different experience, or just no? Happens it just to happens be? to be. It's a, it'll always be. But you know, you're going into it thinking, having you know s- some sort of intention of what you're wanting to do. Now, I uh, I'll I'll put on my Dr. Drew hat, aforementioned Dr. Drew hat for a second, <laughs> my bummer beanie, and say, uh-huh. now he would go, hey, we don't know the long term effects of this kind of thing. We don't know what this, and and then he'd do that move where he'd go, I'm not saying it's bad, and it's like, well, he just kind of bummed everyone out but no i i don't know but we don't know this could have an effect this could be a bigger did you investigate did you research it seemed like seven sessions mm-hmm. feels like you know hey i'm going in the deep end with mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. Full, whole hog here mm-hmm. and a, committed and and <laughs> was there maybe. any worry about you know there's there are the sort of jim ignatowski's of the world they're no, like sure. they did some they dropped some acid and they just not weren't right mm-hmm. after that was there mm-hmm. d- did you do your due dil- diligence not really <laughs> i love you no, no honestly not really yes well, okay so like i right. i i i don't I, and i also don't even really know why i decided it's just like on this in some ways on the spur of a moment to like i'm just gonna go to peru I, I've heard about this ayahuasca. I'm going to they're going to do it, you know. Uh, and, and it was only to, uh, well into the researching of just going, what is the actual experience? What do you have to do to prepare? You know, what are the potential consequences? Um, and also knowing myself, I uh, uh, thankfully don't have a particularly addictive nature. Um, and so I would be able to figure out the Based on like the first experience, you know, how, how strong. And it's also having done psychedelics and drugs in my life. It's like, it's, uh, I have a pretty good, um, gauge. Uh, yeah, pretty good gauge. It's like, mm, two and a half things. So <laughs> it's, uh, so it's fair to say that you were hurting at that time. I mean, you, that you I, were not, not so in a much, good it's, way. It's not so much hurting. I wouldn't, definitely, I would not say that. I was searching. Searching, but yeah, not, but not searching. happy with the pharmaceuticals that were being provided stateside. Well, you know, I think, okay, 
I'm just not like nonstop talking. Annie, will you? I love it. Anne's enjoying it. I'm so We're all enjoying it. But but you know, but it's like it's like you you go into a certain point in your life. You know, I'm 45 now. It's like there are certain things that to uh that were not working you know um and certain questions that i that i had you know um i think i need to go tomorrow no no it's like <laughs> it's like something like uh, cognitive therapy you know which i've done for a long time i felt like i was not it was not breaking through you know yeah. and i wanted something that was much more somatic right mm-hmm. so i i was trying a bunch of different things it's like you know humming stuff and different stuff in the acting you know what i mean movement stuff and this was just uh i just happen to have this kind of nature where it's just like what is a difficult spiritual challenge yeah i want to try that um so it was really it was not so it was not so much like i'm in a deep dark place i i need help it it was m- more of like I, i'm searching for things at this point you know for a decade or so i i it's not breaking through so i am interested in different um uh, different options out there. Out there. Did and anyone try to talk you out of it when you went? No, I, it was a really <laughs> well. It was a private thing then. <laughs> you know, it was funny. I know. It's a very personal, private thing. <laughs> very, personal well, private but you thing. came. I have no idea how this just happened. <laughs> it's it's awesome. Well, <laughs> you know what? You should have said building hummingbird feeders when I said what do you like to do when you're not acting and we could avoid it this entire mess I next time have something Jolie. chambered I'm not going to quiz you on it <laughs> which of those way we can fix the next 35 minutes in post so let's go back and say so uh, feeders. but off the pharmaceuticals and a, a crazy I, I love it listen I, I'm, I am surprised which you, you guys tell me uh, I'm 52, and I never thought when I was 21 that I'd be thinking about life at 52. I thought I'd just mm-hmm. be rolling through life. You know, uh-huh. you've got it wired by now. You figured it out. You just—it's a routine. You know what you do, or you're—you're you're the kind of person you are. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that there was going to be this constant examination and attempt to alter and wire and rewire. I didn't know I was going to be standing in my kitchen last night at. Uh, Eight o'clock, talking to my uh, Guatemalan nanny about rewiring. You know, I said I'm not wired the way I'm wired. I'm rewiring the way I'm wired. I didn't come out wired this way. I came out wired horribly, and I'm trying to rewire. And everyone should be on a quest for rewiring because someone told me once, "Oh, you're wired." No, people aren't wired like you. And I said, "I'm not wired like me. I'm rewiring." You should have come find me when I was 19. You wouldn't have found. Whatever the wiring is, but it's weird that here we are in this stage of life, and you're still on this constant kind of journey. I know not everyone's on no, it. It'd not, be nice. Not, if, not everyone. Is I on think that. it'd be nice if more people were on it. On the other hand, it'd be a pain in the ass. <laughs> I don't think we'd get anything done. I don't know who picked you up in an Uber. If everyone was on this journey, you'd have a lot of trouble finding people to help you with your luggage. Daily, nonstop, <laughs> South America. Yeah, we would probably never have a Southwest airline. Yeah. Actually, if you think about it, like there'd be a lot of stuff we need. But it is interesting that. Here you are on this constant, and I guess maybe Norman Lear had it right because he was sitting right where you're sitting, Sandra, and he said, uh, I think he was 92 or turning 92, and he said, I said, well, what's it like? Or what have you learned? And what have, whatever. And he said, oh, I learned a lot. I'm a lot different than I was when I was 88. <laughs> I said, 
I started to laugh, and then I thought, well, but why, why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? Can we can all go back four or five years oh, and go? Oh. Aren't we different? Yeah. Are, are we like, trying to be different than we were four or five years ago? What's why are we laughing now that the guy is going five mm. years no, except for exactly his what, what you're thinking of is like, here you are at 52, that somehow at 92, you're just rolling through life. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, no, well, he's not. Yeah. yeah. Well, really I'll be in a chair, 40, so I'll be um, literally <laughs> rolling, but not emotionally. <laughs> Gary's got Shell Silverstein's. <laughs> It's got this the smoke off song. Dawson, you know this now one? in the laid back California town of Sunny San Rafael. Lived a girl named Pearly Sweetcake. You probably knew her well. She was stoned 15 of her 18 years, and her story was widely told that she could smoke them faster than anyone could roll. <laughs> Well, her legend finally reached New York, that Grove Street walk-up flat, where dwelt the Calistoga kid, a beatnik from the past. He'd been rolling dope since time began. Now he took a culture toke and said, Jim, I can roll them faster than any chick can smoke. What a local NorCal so unit. Yeah. sent to San Rafael for the championship of the world. The kid demands a smoke-off. Well, bring him on, says Pearl. I grind his fingers off his hands. He'll roll until he drops. Says Calistoga, I'll smoke that chick till she blows up and pops. <laughs> Play this for my kids tonight. So they were out Yankee Stadium. I feel like there was that and time the word is quickly spread. Like come on, come on. All right. You can pop. You get it. It's kind of amazing. That's what I remember from my uh, Dr. D days. A departure uh, from where the sidewalk ends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got range. That clip from February of 2016. I love that Sandra O. Oh. I'm a huge fan. People always clown on Arliss, but I'm like, oh, is you know, it is what it was. And uh, she was always super uh, interesting, let's put it. And I love all the movies and stuff she's in. I've, I've been a fan for years. Yeah, me too. And that was a fun little duo. I mean, uh, Sandra kind of had to keep Anne a little on, more on the rails. There was some, there was some <laughs> ayahuasca talk and some stuff that was very surprising. Yeah, it was fun, though. I, I had a good time doing that show. Me too. All right, before we get out of here, I want to remind everybody once again about Geico, because if you own or rent, then let's make it real easy for you by bundling those policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. Save yourself the time and just bundle it all together. All you got to do is go to geico.com, get a quote, see how much you could save. How easy is this, Geo? It is Geico easy. It sure is. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. All right, a couple things. First off, Cruel Classics returns tomorrow, so make sure to subscribe to the Cruel Classics feed to get our Sunday episodes. Also, if you want to request a clip or ask us a question, email us, classics at adamcarolla.com, or you can find us on Instagram at Giovanni Giorgio or at Chris Loxamana one The number one. The number one, that's right. Or just Google us. Find their ways to get a hold of us, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'll see you tomorrow. My name's Chris Loxamana. That's super fan Giovanni. 
And one last thing before we wrap it up. Corolla Digital's own Gina Grad happens to be a Street Fighter. She's Rose in yeah. Street Fighter V. The game came out way back in 2016. If you have it, download it. Maybe you're not playing it. Her character pass is out right now. You can download it. You, every time she does a move, it's Gina making the noises. It's the second time she's played the character, so it's like officially hers at this point. So uh, Street Fighter V character pass, uh, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, they can play it on as well, as well as Xbox. Uh, check it out. Love it. All right. Thanks, thanks, Gina, and thank you, Gio. Follow and get it on. This episode of Corolla Classics brought to you by 1-800-Flowers, all right? A mother is someone who loves with all of her heart. So whether it's your birth mom, your stepmom, or strong mom figure, this Mother's Day, celebrate all of the amazing women in your life with gorgeous bouquets from 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, 1-800-Flowers is offering 24 multicolored roses plus a free vase for $34.99. We have a rose bouquet from 1-800-Flowers here at the studio. It's gorgeous. I can't believe... They can get all of those beautiful flowers into that box. It comes so neatly packaged, and it just really lights up the room. This gorgeous bouquet of two dozen roses in an assortment of bright colors is guaranteed to show all of the moms in your life just how much they're loved. All roses from 1-800-Flowers are picked at their peak, cared for every step of the way, and shipped fresh to ensure lasting beauty. 24 multicolored roses plus a free vase for $34.99 is an amazing offer, but prices will be going up, so order before Friday, April 30th. And don't put this off. Order today from the official florist of Mother's Day, 1-800-Flowers.com. And here's a deal for you. To order 24 multicolored roses plus a free vase for $34.99, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, and enter the code COROLA. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, code COROLA. Hey, movie lovers, who needs a theater when you have Pluto TV? Grab your popcorn and your streaming device because free movies are here. Pluto TV is your home for movies. Great movies are playing anytime in over 20 exclusive movie channels of action, horror, rom-coms, and more. Watch hits like Saving Private Ryan, Pretty in Pink, and Charlie's Angels all for free. No signups, no fees, no contracts, ever. Download the free Pluto TV app on any device. Saving starts with internet and wireless from Xfinity. Because when you get Xfinity Internet and Add Mobile, you can save up to $400 a year on wireless. Enjoy fast, reliable internet at home and nationwide 5G on the go, included at no extra cost. Get Xfinity Internet and Mobile together and ask how to get an eligible 5G phone on us. And for a limited time, $300 back. Don't miss out. Go to Xfinity.com slash start saving. Call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Savings based on optimized pricing. Actual savings may vary.